I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So about Michael Jordan, how you going to hit from outside the finals? You can't even get in. Welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast. This is part two. Uh, today we're going to be talking about 50 through 25 greatest basketball players of all time. Again, this is going to be at the peak podcast. So yeah, definitely going to be enjoying this. Uh, are you guys ready to kick it into number 50? Oh, yeah. most definitely. It's going to be exciting. Most definitely. All right. And number 50, we have Gary Payton. Um we all know he's the glove and he's a world other worldly defender, but he's an underrated athlete. I think people don't really remember how good he was athletically, very fast, good first step, not amazing jumping ability, but very good jumper. Uh, just really athletic, consistent, consistent finisher around the rim. He's a very good passer and very good shot creator off the dribble, which leads him to being a very good point guard. Um, yeah, very underrated Gary Payton here. So, Gary Payne at 50. What are you guys thinking? He's a glove, man. His, he yeah. was known more for his defense in Seattle than anything. He was, yeah. a, mm-hmm. he was a defensive monster that would lock down players. I remember him yes. and Jordan going at it in the NBA Finals. He was definitely uh, well known for his uh, his defense and he was his offense. Mm-hmm. And plus, when he was playing with Sean yes. Kemp, throwing the alley-oops and, and the playmaking ability, like they had a great team back in Seattle. It's a, it's a shame they did not win they the championship. Did. Yeah, He's definitely well-deserving mm-hmm. of uh, of the uh, NBA 75. And he has some pretty cool shoes to this day. I think people still wear where you uh, throw them on and then you zip them up. Yeah. I think yeah. I've heard of oh. him, yeah, seen them. He is definitely uh, when he was in Seattle. I don't know what he did after Seattle if he played after that. Oh, he went with the Lakers, I believe. The Lakers, yeah. yes. With Carl, he's on that, that team did... with like Carl Malone and like all the old guys. Yeah, that didn't work out yeah. too well. No, yeah. So, but other than that, and then he... I think he might have won the championship with two thousand five, two thousand six on the Miami Heat. I think he was another guy on that team. He's on the bench. Yeah, he's a two thousand six NBA champ. So he yeah. was with Miami back then. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Defensive definitely, force. He's definitely a defensive force, yes. Yeah, that's what he's most known for. We don't really remember for his offensive capabilities, but he's known as a as one of the <laughs> as like one of the best lockdown defenders in NBA history. Yes. Um mm-hmm. just locking down. And then you're right, especially when he got Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp jumps out the gym. Perfect pairing mm-hmm. right there. He plays defense, playmaking yes. ability, throw him the alley oops, keep keep the defense on their toes. Yes. And Sean Kemp's a good defender, too, so now you have a defensive identity as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
Yeah. So yeah, number forty nine, we have uh, a guy who's not that good at defense, Trey Young. Uh, <laughs> he is a very underrated and gifted passer, averaging close to ten assists a game at the age of twenty three. Uh, he is actually uh, averaging around twenty nine uh, this pre the year before this this current season. He's an insane pick and roll uh, maestro, great at hitting the floater, getting to the free throw line. Shoots with the three-point shot with range. Shot creates everything from the three-point line. Is a defensive, I mean, an offensive force. The three-point shooting wise, he's he's not as great as Steph or Dame yet, but he does have that gravity where it's like the defense has to put so much effort and energy into stopping him with deep behind the three-point line. It extends defenses out long farther out. So, yeah, Trey Young's very deserving at forty-nine. What are you guys thinking about him? His last three years, he's been playing great. Last year, yeah. he played in the playoffs. People started to know what he was actually capable of doing. So we'll see what happens here with the next five years. And But he's got a, he's got that uh, playmaking. He's got that floater when he goes yeah. into the group. He's got that floater when he goes in. And his three-point shot is quite uh, – is very good too. So Yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. one of those guys who have the potential to, be, to you know, to be on this list. Um Definitely was for his um for last year, especially in the playoffs when they almost beat the Milwaukee Bucks. You know what I mean? Was yes. exposing that drop coverage. Um, yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely can be in the conversation with Damon Steph because I see it, especially when he came out of the especially when he came out of college, right mm-hmm. into the league. He was already trying to pull up from like half court. You know, he's get he's getting to make that more consistent game, but the like the game is moving toward that, moving more toward you know jump shots. Like Darren was saying, it's just it's not much. You know, he does have a floater game, but it's not he doesn't really rely on that too much unless he's like a big guy and he's like a giant slayer. But it's more along the lines that he's gonna just take you outside, dribble around you, maybe go through your legs a little bit, make you look like a stupid, and then <laughs> shoot on you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I and think that, that flo- and that flo- sorry, and that floater sometimes turns into an LU pass for Clint Capella too. Yeah. Like sometimes yes. it, it works as a floater in, in a pass. So he's a playmaker. And he's and he's still young. He's only four years into his career, so we'll see what happens here in the next five. Yeah, so he keeps it up. That, he'll be he'll be up there. Yeah, I think yeah, that the sure. playoffs was a you know last year was a good jumping off point for him, a good launch mm-hmm. pad. Now you just keep that up, and then we'll yes. see if he can move up this list. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely Very excited cool. to see how high he can rise up this list as time goes on. Yeah. All right, and number forty-eight, we have a uh, guy that Darren probably will like a lot, Boston Celtics in the eighties, Kevin McHale. Yes, uh, he's a very average athlete, six foot ten, probably has a six foot seven, six foot seven, something ridiculous wingspan. His arms look like they touch his knees; it's insane. Um, so he's basically has the dimensions of a center, and will you pair that with the best post moves I've ever seen in my life, and or quantity of post moves? I, like quantity plus quality of post moves I've ever seen. Uh, you get an, un- an unstoppable post fadeaway. You get one of the most unstoppable forces that has ever graced the post. Like if you want to talk about greatest players ever to be on the block and you need points, somebody to post up, this guy might be top 10, extremely special. And I'm, and I'm including centers in that conversation. That's how ridiculous he is. And he's a power forward. Yeah, um, He's a great footwork uh, guy. Just... 
ridiculous. So special at the post. What are you guys thinking about Kevin McGill? He's an automatic double team when he was playing with the Celtics. If whenever he got it in the post, they would have to double team him, no matter what. The guy had like about yeah. a thousand moves that he yeah. would do in the post. He was amazing. His outside inside game reminds me of like a Bob Pettit. Like you get him on the inside, it's over. Like yeah. he could shoot the mid range game no problem. He could take it in. He would out fake you. He would face up. He would give you that jab step, the fadeaway. He had the whole package, man. He is well. Uh, he's good, extremely good. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, definitely. I agree with Jason and Darren. Um, just that book and that plethora of post moves. I mean, just the creativity to just be able to just you know dominate from just such a you know, especially during that time period, such a great spot on the court. You know, those like the those like the high volume shots, and to be able to dominate from there, of course, you're going to score a lot of points. Um, yeah, definitely one of the greatest Celtics too. And he especially- was a six man. And he was a six man. He came off the bench twice, and he won the award. You don't see yeah, that no. from like uh, legendary players like that. They usually have to be like all stars or guys that need the ball in their hand all the time. He was coming off the bench and doing this too. He could do it mm-hmm. all over, all around. Amazing. Yeah. If there's yeah, kids that are listening, the kids that are listening to this, go on YouTube and learn. If you want to learn how to play post, go Kevin McHale. Yeah. Right there. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. And he's a good GM. He drafted yeah. Kevin Garnett in the draft yep. when when he was coming out of high school. So when he was with the he was Minnesota in Houston too. I think he was yeah, in Houston yeah. also too, and he had yeah, to deal with Harden and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, he's good all yeah. around. Definitely. All right. So we're going to kick it to number 47 and somebody Chris is going to love to talk about Vince Carter. Um, this guy has the Zach Levine problem because Vince Carter is a world renowned dunker, slam dunk champion. And sometimes people can get too caught up in just his athletic gifts. Um, but he is a really good shot creator. Um, he can shot right from the mid-range, has the ability to dribble towards the basket and be really effective at finishing near the rim, obviously due to his ridiculous athletic gifts. Um, he also shoots 35-ish percent from the three-point line, and which is really impressive. He'd fit beautifully in today's game. He can also iso out people to the wing and be really effective there. He's extremely skilled. And I think that uh, people, people really don't remember how skilled he was. And when you pair skill with his world-class athleticism, you get a guy who's very deserving this 47 spot while also being an underrated passer, four to five assists a game. His ability to break down the defense and make good passes out of the asshole also is another value that he brings. So definitely doesn't get credit for how great he was with the Raptors. All righty. Raptors, Nets, I mean, you can go maybe into his later years a little bit because he did help that team, you know, with the mm-hmm. Dallas Mavericks. Not much, but he was a little bit. Um, Vince Carter is just one of those guys that can be easily put into a box, okay? Mm-hmm. Like you said, he's probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest dunkers, you know? That's, in my opinion, one of the greatest dunkers in NBA history. I mean, just yes. his creativity, he, the way he flies through the air. I mean, and he's not, he's, he's finesse, he's power, he has it all. A couple of memories that I have just off the top of my head, and as you were talking about, I was thinking about him, was, you know, he, you know, the honey, the elbow on the rim dunk, the the 360s, you know, just off vert. It's ridiculous. And then I remember he dunked on, he dunked on a seven footer in the Olympics, jumped over him. Yes. <laughs> and then I remember in the All-Star game, 
one year, I think it was with the, when he was with the Nets. Um, him and Tracy McGrady went back and forth hitting half court shots on the other on the <laughs> on the other side of the court, just during game, mid game, just half court shot, half court three this way, half court three that way, just pulling up and knocking him down consistently. He definitely can be lost in the shuffle because he gets put in a box so much of just being a great dunker that we forget about the other um the other skills he has, which he is a great shot creator. I mean, him paired with Jason Kidd was a perfect pairing. I mean, Jason Kidd can't really shoot that well. You have Vince Carter, who's an athlete, who is an all-around kind of guy, all-around kind of player who can do so much on the court, and he just gets lost in a shuffle because we just remember him, oh, this dunk contest was just his highlight moment because he never got further than that. Mm-hmm. He had nine seasons where he averaged over 20 points a game, so he was better than just a dunker. So he had an overall game. So I think, and he started like after New Jersey when he was playing for the Nets. He started playing for like Dallas and Memphis and Sacramento and Atlanta. Towards the end of his career, I remember he was playing with Atlanta. He was still playing at at a, at a good click. He still could play longer, yeah. but he started playing more as a team player towards the end of his career rather than more the individual than he was yeah. at the beginning. I thought mm-hmm. so. He just started like like getting a lot better as he was getting older. It was, mm-hmm. it was, yeah. He's, I, I, he was amazing dunker. Definitely in yeah. the top five of all time. Yeah. 100%. So, that dunk contest yeah. he was in will go down in history. It's probably the greatest. Oh, yeah. He's definitely top five of all. Like, he's up there definitely with, like, Wilkins and, and MJ. I would say even top three. You've never seen stuff like that. Yeah. No. He made, and he made it look so easy. Yeah. Yes, he like does. You couldn't even do that stuff on nine foot hoops. I know people were trying to yeah. do it like myself, trying to do that stuff on nine foot hoops. You couldn't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like you just made it look so easy. His athleticism yeah. was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So that was a good pick. Yeah. All right. So next guy we're talking about here is another good example of why we do these lists at peaks because this guy's injuries and bad luck injury wise is the reason why he's not as remembered as he should be um, because he didn't have a great long career. Ralph Sampson. Um, this guy is seven foot four. I've never seen a seven foot got four guy move as smooth as he is. Um, he's extremely gifted feet wise, which is usually not what people usually say at the guys that are seven foot four. Uh, he could legitimately be switchable on defense, which is insane. When you realize again, he's seven foot four. Yeah. Um, he has really good post movements. Um, he can dribble the ball up the fast break and then kick it to another guard. Um, he's a pretty good mid range shooter as well. Um, but his post skill is very, very, very good. Very impressive. Very good out of the post. I know this guy's in the NBA yet, but Chet Holmgren kind of moves like Ralph Sampson. Um, so yeah, this guy's very special. Obviously, he's a defensive force and rebounds due to height and athleticism and good timing and basketball IQ. And I remember this guy dominated college at this, uh, in Virginia too for a while. So yeah, scary guy. If this pairing of Hakeem and him would have been able to stand the test of time and these two would have been together long term, mm-hmm. dear goodness, some NBA championships would have gotten moved to different teams. So yeah, yeah, Ralph Sampson here at yeah, 46. Just- just like you said, with him and, and Hakeem playing with Ralph, like with Ralph Sampson back in Houston for those, I think it was about three to four years, mm-hmm. deadly. And after that, he was still he was still playing in the league. But I think during those Houston days was when he was at his peak. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised they didn't win a championship. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think they went to the NBA Finals and Yeah, they, they did make it to the Finals, but they never won one. Yeah. But I yeah. I've I've seen film of them playing in uh and they were unbelievable. I think yeah. in the in uh his what eighty I think it was from eighty four to eighty six when they were in the playoffs, he would average over twenty points a game. Yeah. So yeah. deadly back then. Yeah. And then you also have to think about just probably the mileage on these guys' legs, you know, because, you know, this is the time period where everybody playing. They're not they're not one and done in college. They're doing all four years of college, playing every game, winning championships in college. That's why they're so decorated in college. And then they come back to the NBA and they do the same thing. So they have the time to pretty much mold themselves in college and then jump into the NBA afterwards um, instead of being molded by the NBA. Yeah, yeah man. That's good. All right, at number 45, we have another center, Bob Lanier, another one of my favorites. Um, thankfully, Kendrick Perkins is on TV, so this comparison makes sense because most people remember <laughs> who he is. He's yeah. built like Kendrick Perkins, so he's what I'm saying is he's huge. Uh, he's built muscularly as well, but he's just a huge human being, probably 6'11", 275-ish pounds, but he's also very athletic. Um, he has great post skill and a great mid-range shot and can rebound extremely well. One of the most underrated centers of all time. He's highly skilled paired with that ridiculously huge and athletic body, um, which should tell you why he's so high on this list. I mean, if this guy would have been on the Celtics instead of Dave Cowens, we would really remember this guy. Um, he's just absolutely amazing player on a bad team in the Detroit Pistons in the 70s. So. Yeah, what do you guys think about Bob Lanier? Is it the Detroit Pistons? Yep. Yep. Oh my, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness, I I I don't know. I don't know much about this guy. <laughs> Lie to you, but he averaged mm-hmm. a double double in ten seasons with the Pistons. He said, Jeez. which is tough in doing that. Yeah. He averaged over twenty. Holy smokes. He's a, he's actually the Pistons' uh, all time. He has the all time scoring average. Jeez, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, twenty two, and he ranks tenth. He he ranks uh, second in uh, all time with the with the Pistons with eight thousand eight thousand sixty three rebounds. And he had over fifteen thousand points, and he was in seven All Star games. So yeah, and he did it all with one team. Yep. Yeah. Very special guy. Well, we're he definitely 75. did. Nelly had a big, bulky body that he liked to use on the post. Um, he was actually pretty f- quick as well, along because he was able to move that body. Um, yes. at, you know, fairly well. He can also shoot a pretty decent mid-range shot as well. So he was mm-hmm. really, really kind of an all-around big, but maybe even a before his time big because not many bigs had that, you know, had that in their arsenal. It was more, you know, he was great on the post, but he could also step out a little bit, and he was quick. He could, he had a larger frame than most bigs. And he can also move it as well. Yes, unique yeah. player. Yeah. At number forty-four, we have Demarcus Cousins. All right, here we go. Um, so I'm glad that I, I watched him. What'd you say? Oh, nothing. Nothing. nothing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun. All right. Yeah. So this guy was really phenomenal at his peak with the Kings. Uh, 
he was definitely a guy who played with a lot of anger that would make a lot of bigs proud. Um, he moved everybody around. He's a big dude, but he's not just a big human being. He can move very, very well. It's very scary how well he can move. He has a plethora of post moves. Uh, he's also a ridiculous talent. He shoots the three-point shot as well, mid-range shot as well. Um, this guy... There's people that think that he was a negative uh, on the basketball court because of the way he angrily played, but I like guys who play with edge because that shows me that they hate to lose, right? So a guy who shows his emotions like that, I don't mind because he just hates losing, and the Kings were always losing. Yeah, um, He's also a very good point center, really good passer, probably a top five, top ten passers ever at the small forward position, probably closer to the ten than five, but... Yeah, he's also really good in the post. Just a very good scorer of the basketball. Um, kind of reminds me of Joel Embiid a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, he's really special. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think about DeMarcus Cousins at peak? Uh, the only guy to get traded during an All-Star game <laughs> that he was playing in? Because uh, he was a head case, that's why. <laughs> that's why they traded him I had no problem with DeMarcus Cousins playing up until uh, the Pelicans but after that he just went downhill after his ACL even when he was like playing with the Pelicans he would drop whatever but he would be a liability down the thing because he wouldn't stay in the game because he would do something stupid so it was just like I don't know I don't think me personally I would not put him at 43 I don't even think he should be on the list to be quite honest with wow. you I don't. Even, he was great. If he would have stayed like he was in New Orleans and would have kept on doing what he was doing, then yeah, possibly. But man, up until New Orleans, I don't even think he was even good enough to be on the list. I think Robert Parrish should have taken his place. To be quite honest with you, that's one guy I would put ahead of Demarcus Cousins. I can see that. I can see that. I can see what you're saying there. Um, I will give it to Demarcus Cousins because um, we did see his time in Sacramento, and he, you know, being on a bad team and you know being able to, he wasn't able to overcome that completely, but he was able still able to show us, you know, like his gifts, his abilities, um, great yes. scorer, um, great defensive um, asset on the team. You know what I mean? And you know, playing especially for the playing from that big that big standpoint, and then when he joined New Orleans with Anthony Davis. He was kind of like bringing his career back. I mean, like this was supposed to be like the warrior stoppers virtually. They had two big guys who could go inside, outside, and just bang with you down low. And then those injuries, I mean, that's that's kind of like a, a recurring theme with these players is that we never really get to see exactly what they can become once they hit their prime and majority of the time because right when they hit it, they get injured. And then their prime was yeah. cut short. So we never got a chance to see what he could have been when he got traded to the Lakers or anything like that. If there was, I mean, maybe he would never got traded to the Lakers if he wouldn't have got hurt. Maybe he would, maybe yeah. we never got a chance to see what the New Orleans Pelicans could become with Anthony Davis. The NBA would look totally different today if Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins could both stay healthy and would remain on the same team along with Rondo. That was a great pairing, honestly. Mm-hmm. But if you watch his games, like he would see him like in the second half, they would be up or whatever. He would do some stupid, you get technical foul. Things that go crazy, he gets ejected, he's not with his team, they lose. That's why he was getting traded during All-Star Game. I wouldn't be trading the guy if he could do that, like play outside, inside, he's a big guy. I wouldn't be trading, I wouldn't even be thinking about trading him. The simple fact they're like talking about trading him because he can't stay with the team and win because he's a freaking head case. The guy, Mm -hmm. you you can play with passion, but you got to use your brain a bit too. 
Like this guy would always like in the fourth quarter, like take a foul on somebody and then it would escalate in some crazy. He would get ejected. He led like the league in ejections for, I don't know how, like consecutively. I think. It yeah. Was he for, almost broke for, Rasheed Wallace's record. Yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like Rasheed Wallace. Like he was a great player, but he was just a head case, man. Yeah. Um, Okay, so here's my pushback on that. At least just one last thing, maybe, unless we want to keep this going. Um, It's just that once he got the name for being really, you know, passionate, I'll use that word, and kind of like really quick to to let his emotions get the best of him, referees started Mm -hmm. using that against him. Every game he played, it did not require a tech to be called. Virtually. It was a lot of times where it was like something small, and the ref would just tech him up immediately because they knew that he would just go off after that. And that it was like re- that was his reputation, though. He created I, that reputation. He didn't need yeah, to create that technical reputation. He could have just went and played ball. Didn't need to go yak or do all this craziness. He could have just played the game of basketball. He really did some stupid shit, <laughs> like some really yeah. dumb shit. So it's just like the guy. I don't think the guy should have been on the list. But it's just, I don't know. If he would, like I said, if he would have stayed the way he was, just just play basketball with he was with. Sacramento, he was great with Sacramento. Like he was a great player, he could have made Sacramento something. You don't find big guys like that. They could have worked around him, but he got so frustrated, he just went. He went Fruit Loops. Also, the front office sucks. That would drive any man insane. Oh my yeah. gosh! <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, they are bad. Yeah. Leave one team. guy by the hoop and let four play defense. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. All right. You guys ready to kick it to the next guy? Yeah. All right. At 43, we got Tiny Archibald. I definitely feel like this was one of the most underrated point guards of all time. Uh, You never really hear about him, even though he dropped 34 and 11 in a season. It's absolutely insane. Um, He's one of the greatest passers of the 70s or the greatest passer of the 70s, pre Magic Johnson. Uh, He was really great. Gifted speed and quickness athlete, uh, five foot ten, five foot eleven, uh, has a, de- a defined built body, great finisher around the rim, um, has a good mid range shooter, a good pull up uh, mid range shot, and you get a great point guard. Uh, they weren't he wasn't shooting many three point shots, but nobody really was. Um, so yeah, I don't understand why so many people are low of him because he's a great shot creator, a great passer, and a unique fun fact. His coach was Bob Cousy when he dropped 34 and 11 this season. Yeah. Hmm. Did he average a double-double? Yeah, I think he, he's not that well-known because he was just underrated. And like you said, he's in a different era yeah. than, what, than what you guys are talking about today. And that's why he's not up there on the list. He also played with the Larry Bird Celtics as well. Yeah, towards Larry, the end yeah. of his career, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was going down towards I think he even got a championship or something. Yeah, he probably did, yeah. Everyone got a championship with the Celtics. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Everybody, yeah, everybody got a championship with the Celtics. Bill Walton even got a Celtics team, got a ring, all right? So, uh, yeah. starting on Bill Walton. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Stepping on landmines right over here. <laughs> well, <but>. uh... <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> He's terrible. He was great oh. with Portland. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's the 18th on our center list. Boston, 
he wasn't so great. He was towards the end of his career. Yeah. 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 But but Portland, he was a he was a beast. Yeah. Boston, not so much. Yeah. All right. Who's All right, next? Forty two. We got uh, Carmelo Anthony. He okay. is a bulldog. Uh, he's such a big human being. He plays with so so, so much force in the mid range. Um, his strength is and his athleticism are really great. Um, he really uses his size to his maximum capacity. He's really just a great mid-range ISO scorer. Uh, he also can shoot from the three-point shot and finish around the rim with ease. Just a world-class bucket. Doesn't do much defending or passing, but that he's just a great scorer. Yeah. Yeah, you basically summed it up right there. He's a great scorer. Doesn't play D that great, but he can shoot. Hopefully he wins a ring this year with the Lakers, and that'll be pretty much it for him. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> He was great with the Nuggets. He was amazing with the yes. Nuggets. He could have done yeah. something with the Knicks, but it's the Knicks, so it's tough. Yeah. But uh, uh, other than that, he had an amazing team with the Knicks. He had like Amare. He had uh, he had like a very good stacked team. Jr. was on that team too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Tyson Jr. was on the Nuggets with him too. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Then he started. Then he didn't want to come off the bench when he was in Houston. Which I think cost mm-hmm. them to go to the finals, um, mm-hmm. and now he's with the Lakers. So hopefully he uh, he wins a championship this year, which I think is highly unlikely. But we'll see what happens. He also played with mm-hmm. Oklahoma City for a little bit too. It's pretty good. Over yeah, there. yeah, but they cut him though. They say, "Hey, yeah. listen, we don't want you playing with us anymore. We're going to buy your contract out and send you away." Yeah, which I don't know why they did that. I have no idea. So, yeah. Maybe they didn't want. He didn't want. To, I remember he had a problem with coming off the bench. Um. So I remember that <clears throat> during his career, he got kind of a reputation of being more about of them trying of you know of having the question if he's if he likes. I mean, if it's about basketball or if it's about money for him, because a lot of times in New York he was there. You know, during his first season, at least, and maybe a couple seasons after that, he was great. And then it was kind of a point in time where he could have left. To go, you know, to a better team and go try to win. Instead, he stayed, and they was like, "Is it about the money?" Because he was getting paid like hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, is it about the money or is it about basketball? Do you want to win or do you want to be paid? And then he even had like a conversation. I think it was that was brought up where it was like, "Yeah, he has all these gold medals, but he hasn't won anything." Because he kept joining the Olympic team and getting gold medals, but he hasn't won anything in the NBA. Um. That's just a couple of negatives, but aside from that, he's one of the great. He's a prolific scorer in my eyes. Um, probably the one. I mean, you know, no, really known for his ISO game. Known as a ball stopper, but that's fine because he was able to knock down shots consistently, especially when he stopped the ball and get an ISO. Yeah. Really known for yeah. his multiple, multiple jabs, jab steps, and then I'm gonna knock it down, or I'm gonna put my use my big body to push you into the post, and then post fade away. Um, definitely, hopefully, hopefully he shows something with the Lakers. Um, we had a couple good games starting off in the beginning of the season, which really, and like Darren mentioned earlier, really you know helped him lead him to some W's that they should some games they should have lost, especially when LeBron was out. So hopefully we can continue to see some great ball play from him and going for it and going to ring possibly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. All right, so we're going back to back Knicks, and number forty one is Patrick Ewing. Um, he's seven feet. He has good post skill. 
Uh, but his best trait is his mid-range shooting. He's a world-class mid-range shooter. And when you consider centers, um, <clears throat> just the center position, he has to be top three, top five centers all-time mid-range shooters. Um, he's a really great athlete as well. And uh, he'd be amazing in today's modern game because he could be switchable. Um, he fit beautifully on defense. So he's a very well-rounded, be great in any kind of era kind of guy, Patrick Ewing here at 41. He was like a post player. Like when you guys see a post, like how post player, like a center should be built. That's Patrick Ewing. He was like seven feet. He is solid. He could shoot the jump shot. He had the post moves. He was athletic. He was on the Knicks teams, which I think they, they could have possibly won maybe a couple championships. Even that year when Jordan wasn't playing, they just missed a few. Um, I remember when Ewing was supposed to hit that layup and it bounced off the rim. Yeah. So they were cursed. Yeah, there was a few times that, that they, that they uh, should have won the championship, but he was, like you said, definitely uh, his mid-range jump shot uh, back then. I remember him and Alonzo Mourning had the, probably the best mid-range jump shots as big men or with Akeem too. Mm-hmm. I guess there's three of them. So, yeah, I I think he's one, I think he's the all-time greatest Nick of, like he's the all-time greatest uh, New York Nick of all time. Probably, yeah. 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 Chris, you have anything on him? No, pretty much summed it up. You <laughs> okay, okay. All right, well, then we'll kick it at number 40 here. Um, Isaiah Thomas. Which one? Um, <laughs> come on now. There's no way, there's no way that the, the other one would be on here. No way. I would be, get, I would be leaving right now. I, I would be like, which one is it? Okay, I'm just get up. I'd be like, I'm done. <laughs> There's no way he would be higher than Bill Russell. No, no way. All right, that would be a blasphemy. Jason, you might want to talk about Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. All righty. One of the original bad boys, you know, led the bas- the bad boy Pistons. My one of my favorite teams of that time period because they stopped Jordan from winning championships. Hater alert. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> <To be honest. laughs> uh, but yeah, aside from that, I mean, he was known um, for his handling ability. He was probably, you know, one way I could see he was the evolution of basketball handle wise to Kyrie Irving. I mean, he was phenomenal when it came to that, his creativity with the ball, able to lead a team. He was, he probably wasn't the tallest guy, but he really had a, a big heart, you know, because he was able to, yeah, I remember it was during the playoffs it might have been even a final game he hurt himself and limped onto the court with with his eye bleeding and hit free throws and went back off the court and still played in the game like he just has the heart of a lion so he's really really one of the greatest players in my opinion he definitely deserves his spot on the list maybe he should be a little bit higher but i'm fine with that and he was playing with one team too i don't think he he didn't go off to any other team he retired as a piston he didn't go yeah, i think off he even became go- a coach there too yeah he was like turned to gm and stuff but i remember him i remember him mostly was like the bad boy pistons like when it was him, Lambeer, Mark, uh, Mark Aguirre, Mark yeah. Aguirre, and Joe Dumars. Uh, there's Dumars, Dennis there's, Rodman, yeah, all Rodman too. Rodman was coming off the bench. They had a point guard too. I forget the guy, point guard's name. But anyways, it was a bad. Uh, like, it was him and uh, Vinny, Vinny Johnson. Yeah, Vinny, Vinny Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, Vinny yeah. Johnson. That sounds familiar. But it was like him and the Bad Boy Pistons, man. That's his toughness was crazy. He should have been on the Olympic team. Like I said, with, yeah. uh, Christian Leitner should have been off that. But other than that, he's definitely – his handles were ahead of his time, definitely. 
His handles, Man. he would dribble. I remember watching All-Star games where he would dribble around people just mm-hmm. stupidly. So that's a good pick. He should, like I said, with I agree with Chris, he should be higher, but but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I like Isaiah Thomas. So definitely went on favorite. He definitely did have the heart. I remember, I just like, I, get, I can just remember that game. Like I was watching the film and I think he heard it. He like, he had blood coming down his eyes. Yep. He was limping on the court. Made free throws and continued to play the game. Just he yeah. wanted to win so bad. He had that. He he just want. He was a winner. He was a winner at heart. Yeah. You don't see that too much you watch, these you days. Watch, you watch him and the Lakers go at it in the finals, man. Those are the those are the series you like watching. Or even yeah. if you want to watch like the real like the the Jordan era there when Jordan was just getting the crap kicked out of him until he started mm-hmm. throwing on that weight and started dominating again. So yeah, yeah, man, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, and he's also an underrated passer. Like mm-hmm. I was surprised he led the assist. I think league and assist twice or multiple above ten assists per game seasons. Like very underrated in his passing ability. Nobody yeah. really talks about it. I think he just gets a bad rap because of the bad boy Pistons, and he, that overlooks what yeah. his basketball career has done. They're just more worried yeah. about what he walked off the court and all this other crap. But mm-hmm. overall, yeah, he was an amazing basketball player, way ahead of his time for point guards. Yeah, it, yes. the, the the whole walking up the court thing, I mean, that shouldn't really, you know, put a damper on his legacy because, like, mm-hmm. that's the bad boys. That was what they symbolized. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. He didn't even do it either. It was Lambeer. <laughs> so it's just yeah, like he let Lambeer. it, yeah. Lambeer was the one that did it, so it's just like, okay, well, whatever. But everything yeah. else, he's done great, so. Yeah. All right. 100%. All right. Well, all right, this is where another, I know we talked about this beforehand. He's probably going to be upset about this one. Number 39 is Oscar Robertson. Um, he is the greatest passer of his era or number two behind Bob Cousy. Um, the second best shooter of his era behind uh, Jerry West. Um, mm-hmm. He's butter. He's six foot five, not extremely ripped, but has a naturally built, strong, stocky body. Um, I wish he would have attacked the rim more, uh, with his size, but, um, it's all about his mid range game, his post up game. Uh, because there's a lot of guys before 2005 that are point guards that came out that are not mid- great shot creators. So this guy does extremely favorably to he's basically the second greatest point guard of all time pre 2005, um, mm-hmm. behind magic. So yeah, this guy is really great. Um, he's he's he definitely seeks out his mid range shot, comes around screens, comes around off ball movements a lot. He's just a mid range specialist, a great passer, good rebounder, good defender, all around guy. So yeah, let's uh, hear Oscar. Uh, what do you guys think well, about Oscar? He played with Lou Alcindor too back in his day too. So those yeah. two were a two way mm-hmm. combo there that was just a nightmare for other teams. Mm-hmm. He had a good, he had, like you were saying, he had a great all all around game. He was doing Mister, he was Mister Triple Double back then. No one would even know about the Triple Double uh, in this era if it wasn't for Russell Russell Westbrook because a lot of people didn't know who Oscar Robertson is. So it, it sort of made him more relevant now, and people sort of do more of the Triple Doubles because of Oscar Robertson. So mm-hmm. he actually, I thought he changed that game a lot, but he. Uh, I think he's been very underrated with with the way he's been in basketball, just with the way his style and stuff like that. Because he's doing stuff now back then that people are doing today. So mm-hmm. I think he was a next generation player. 
He's way ahead of his time. Yeah, you can say that. What do you think? Once you play with Luel Cinder, like, come on, man. Like, you just have to go kick it to the post and you drop, like, what, 10 assists. I would just give it to him all day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think people realize on how badass Luel Cinder was back in those days. Like, he wasn't just Mr. Yes. Skyhook. He was coming no. for your throat. <laughs> yes. Like, he was yes. ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah man, I love Oscar Robinson. Yeah, Mr. Triple Double, the mid-range assassin. I mean, you can go on and on and on, especially with his time in, you know, Milwaukee, you know, winning championships with alongside Kareem, Luol Sender, because he wasn't Kareem yet. Um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely, I agree with Darren. Um, he's he's not necessarily forgotten in NBA history, but he just became re-relevant again. I'm not sure if that's a word. Um, but he became relevant again because, uh, because of Russell Westbrook. He kind of, like, pulled back the curtains and was like, hey, this guy right here, but unintentionally, because I'm pretty, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much of a historian he is, if he studies the game or not, but just unintentionally he pulled back the curtain and showed us Oscar Robertson for those who never knew about him, who never knew he existed. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. If you're listening to this podcast, you guys should go and watch some Oscar Robertson. And I know he's sure. deadly on NBA 2K because I play him a lot on the classic yeah. teams. He's deadly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely should go watch him. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna kick it to number thirty-eight. Charles Barkley. This guy is six foot six. It's hard to describe him, but his value is he's very athletic. He's a very mm-hmm. gifted lower half. Like he is like if you see him with those short shorts on, it's like his legs are tree trunks. It's basically the best way I can say it. Um with the 76ers, he's very athletic. He's a good ISO game. Uh, his mid-range, uh, he has good foot speed, being able to finish and handle fairly well. He can dribble drive to the basket and finish very well at the rim. He's also one of the greatest real rebounders of all time. He's a real gift for it. Um, he's a really good post player. It's funny that makes he makes fun of people like James Harden because he's kind of like James Harden where he has a rule made after him because he used to just stand at the three-point line and dribble back somebody down to the basket and they changed the rule that you can only have your back to the basket for five seconds because of him exposing that rule. Mm-hmm. It's just a very great post player, very dominant inside force. Um, he's an okay defender, very underappreciated passer, very explosive in transition when he's younger. Uh, you can then make an argument that his peak years of 76, 76ers, um, he overcomes his size disadvantages with great arm length and extremely gifted legs and the understanding of how to rebound the ball. He's a force that is, is a constant in a, in a slower paced game. His, uh, his, he's very valuable. So what do you guys think about Charles? He also, he also was the guy that was, uh, he would get the rebound off, uh, like he would get it off the rebound and take it up the court too and dunk it on you. You didn't yeah. see that rare, that was rare back then. Like you see a lot in his games where he would just grab that rebound and he would just take it as a point guard up the court and do his mm-hmm. fast break. And you didn't see that yeah. much. He was a great, uh, he was a, with his blocks when he was playing with Philly, he was more the all, all around. But you basically summed it up there. I'm glad he's on the top 75 of your list here. So in the top 50. So that's good. Yeah. The round mount of rebound. Uh, he, on TNC right now, he's like Shaq's punching back. But I remember that game where he, he uh, Shaq was his punching bag where he threw the ball at his head and then flipped him over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But he's known for, you know, 
I guess you can probably more know first time in Phoenix where he was able, he was a little bit older, you know, really able to space the floor a little bit better. Not really as, um, you know, dominant down low, but spacing the floor, being able to put up points. I think he got an MVP as well that he probably didn't, shouldn't have, but it's just voter fatigue. Um, he probably should have gotten it. He won that Phoenix. No, he, he should have won that MVP. He deserved that. He played a great season in Phoenix. They almost beat, Mm -hmm. uh, whatchamacallit, the Bulls that year. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely should have won that MVP. So, yeah, his resume, Sir Charles. Yeah. Oh, you Sir part Charles. of basketball, friends? No, Hardly. no, no. He did win an MVP. He won it with the Phoenix Suns. I remember yeah. that because he was playing that year. They were unbelievable. I think they even had the best record in the in the league. And he won the MVP, and they took the the Bulls almost to the uh, the brink there. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. You don't see that much. If you go and watch any of Michael Jordan's like NBA Finals, it's a rarity you'll see some teams that take him to the brink. And Phoenix Suns were that were one of the teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't they have Kevin Johnson on that team? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Johnson. Yeah. And they had Dan Marley. Like they had like a good basketball team around them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was, was Tom like Chambers when... on that team, or was he too old? I don't know. I don't think John, Tom Chambers was on that one. Mm. I think you're talking I about from Dan Thomas Spurs. Yeah, but that's when he started having his outside game too. Like he wasn't a great three point shooter, but he had started getting yeah. that outside game. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's good. Man. Yeah. Sir Charles at thirty eight, and we're gonna kick it to another MVP, Nikola Jokic at thirty seven. Uh, this guy's six foot eleven. He's the greatest center ever at the pass. Uh, Greatest passer at the center position of all time. Um, he's a point center. It's extremely hard ranking him due to him being so unique due to that. Um, he posts extremely well, shoots the ball extremely well from the three-point range, uh, good mid-range shooter, extremely unathletic. He's about as good as somebody can be six foot eleven and has and as athletic as he is. Uh, not a great defender, but his passing really adds a lot of value. What do you guys think about Nikola Jokic? He won the MVP last year too. Yeah. Yep. No, he's a good. He's he's. You don't see that much with the uh, post players in this era, but he's definitely an all one of the all around players that are uh, that are good in the post. I like him. It'd be nice to see what happens when uh, Jamal Murray comes back. If they're going to make another run yes. in the playoffs. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, Nikola Jokic, in my opinion, is. Probably in the current in the modern NBA, he's probably he's not the most dominant, but he's the most skill center. And I'll continue to say this because he just has so much finesse down low. I mean, he can up fake you because he's not going to really do- dominate you. You know what I mean? But he's going to outskill you every time. That's yes. why uh, Dwight Howard had a lot of problems with him in the finals. I mean, not in the finals, but in the Western Conference Finals because Dwight Howard is more of a power. But um, Nikola Jokic can really you know get 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 his get his game going with skill. He's going to up fake you, triple threat you, maybe even like back you down a little bit, give you a little shoulder here and there and dominate you that way. And if you see his shot, he's got a very high arcing shot. Like it's yeah. a very, it's a, it's an amazing shot for a big man. A lot of big guys can't mm-hmm. shoot at that eight, at that size. Yeah. So either if you're a big man, you can either, you either got the power and inside moves and you got no finesse and jump shot, or you got the finesse and jump shot and no power moves. He's got the full package. Yeah. So, yeah, I think if he keeps playing and, and see what they do in the in the finals or what, I hope they make the finals in the playoffs. But uh, see what happens this year when his whole full team's back. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. Are you ready to kick it to 36? Yeah, we're moving right along. Let's go. All right, number 36 is Carl Malone. Um, this guy's six foot nine, world class athlete, uh, world class body, just extremely strong. One of the most strongest basketball players, pound the pound, you'll ever see. Um, phenomenal post player, post feel, good mid range shooter. He's not much of a shot creator for himself, but he's very strong and athletic. Um, he's a phenomenal rebounder and also a really good defender. Um, definitely very, very underappreciated world-class power forward defender. Um, you know, there's obviously a debate between Charles Malone, uh, Malone's taller, Malone's stronger. Barkley flashes more shot creation ability for himself. Uh, you know, Barkley's the better passer. Malone's the better defender. It's it's really close, and they both rebound extremely well, but Barkley's the better rebounder. It's like splitting hairs between those two, but that just speaks to how great Carl Malone is. He's a phenomenal fit in the pick and roll with John Stockton. So what do you guys think about Carl Malone? I think he's great. He's had a great jump shot. He's a big dude. He's a perfect power forward. I think he's the greatest power forward of all time. I think he's better than Tim Duncan. I think he's got a better I think he's got a better jump shot than Tim Duncan. Um mm-hmm. He also, with his size, if you get him on the on the fast break, you see how big he was, and he was on the fast break. He was a monster. I think he was way better on the fast break than Duncan was, because he was more yes. with, with just coming down and, and cramming on you. Duncan was more finesse; like he would do the bank shot, the like more of the footwork and stuff. Carl Malone was more like power. If you, if you take mm-hmm. him to the hoop, he's gonna he's gonna jam it on you, and he's he had the finesse with the mid range jump shot. And plus, you don't mm-hmm. see guys that big. Uh, master the pick and roll like that. Like he, he would be perfect in this era. I think. Yeah, he would be. Yeah. He didn't have a three point shot. I didn't. I know he probably didn't shoot a lot of three point shots, but if you get him inside that paint, it's a wrap. Yeah. yeah. He's really dominant down low. Um, he's one of those players in my, you know, and there's a lot of players like this and majority players are like this. that really don't, they really benefit from the system that they're placed in. Um, it's, it's, it would be hard to tell if he would be, you know, any different in any, any other system, but he was perfect for the system and the, for the Utah system, especially with the pick and roll with John Stockton. So he, it, he really benefited from that. He was able to, you know, put up his points and really be a really, I mean, a, be a force on that team. You know, it was just a perfect pairing, a perfect duo for Utah at that time. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i glad you brought that up because that's something that bugs me a lot. Is people bring up John Stockton and think that Carl Malone couldn't have dominated without John Stockton. Like, he would have been a beautiful fit, the triangle yeah. offense. Like, the triangle is, like, about finding guys in the post and the post that got all the movement to create easy shots for everybody else. He would have demolished people in the triangle. There's, yeah. a, I mean, even with Greg Popovich with the Spurs and all the movement that they had, beautiful fit. Like, there's a lot of, like, the people always talk about, oh, this Howlander surrounded him, made him better. Like, it's the coach's job to build a system around the greatest players. And any coach, most coaches would have seen Carmelo and build when it would have built around him. He still would have been amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't have mattered what team he would have played for. He still would have done an impact on any team. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going to kick it to number 35 here. Uh, another older guy, Moses Malone. Uh, this guy's six foot ten, probably the greatest rebounder of all time. Very good athlete, underappreciated athlete, good body, good body control, and good post moves. Very underrated. People forget um, 
when he was with Houston, he was really dominant. People forget that he was really good at the post and the stuff like that. So um, very good scoring. Uh, when you pair great post scoring with skill with a world-class rebounder and a great shot blocker, you get one of the dom- most dominant forces that has ever graded, graced the center position in Moses Malone. Also an MVP, uh, NBA champion with the 76ers. So, yeah, what do you guys think about Moses Malone? Just like you said, he was great when he played with Houston. He was playing there for, I think it was a few years there. And then he went to Philly. He was was playing with uh, Barkley towards the end of his career. And he started to uh, help Barkley out there. But he was a great, uh, great, like he was a, how do you say? He was like, um, he was more more power than finesse. Yes. Yes. So he was like more one of those, like back in the day, you had like one of those big power power players there he was definitely he was definitely the one if you watch his games the way he dunks and the way he did his post moves and stuff like that everything was just power and that's what i think of moses malone yeah so chris what do you think about him yeah he definitely had the power in the mid-range shot he was definitely you know uh, a really good score, you know, because he, he could, you know, dominate in the post. Um, he used his big his big body to kind of move defenders around and kind of get his shot whenever he wanted. And he also could take him outside just a little bit, step outside and knock down a mid-range shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next man up is the best center in the NBA right now, Joel Embiid. Is he even um, playing? Yeah, he played yesterday. He got blocked by Anthony Edwards in a clutch block. Well, he's like second he overtime got blocked, and he didn't get posterized like Anthony Edwards did a couple days it, ago to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got special jumps. Yeah, he's got he, yeah, he's he's got high upside. Yeah, he just came back. I think this is his first game back. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Definitely. Yeah, Joel Embiid is a seven footer, really good out of the pinch post, just and post, uh, mid range ISO guy, good three point shooter. Even though he should probably stay in the post more, rebounds extremely well, good free throw shooter, forced defensively. Uh, yeah, just a highly skilled, good footwork. He's very good at multiple different aspects of the game of basketball. So, what do you guys think about Joel Embiid? I like, like him. Joel if he, I like Joel Embiid if he stays healthy, man. I think he's got to stay healthy for a season and they can win a championship. But at least uh, he's trying. It's just his health. He's got he's got mm-hmm. the, the skills. Like, he's a big dude. Like, when you watch him in the post, he's got the outside. He's got the inside game to do the post moves, and he's got the outside three. It's just that the guy's got to stay healthy. That's mm-hmm. the only knack that's been on him is that he's never yeah. been healthy. So, he's like, he's yeah. either he'll play for, like, 20 games. He'll be injured for 10. Or something like yeah. that, or, or his ankles gonna, or his ankles sore, or something's wrong with him. He needs to play a full season, or at least over seventy games to for them to win a championship. They're not going to go anywhere if he's not healthy. Yeah. yeah, it probably just has to do more along the lines with his body. He has to just take care of his body a little bit more. Maybe cut down the pounds because he, he like okay. So if I'm saying like Jokic is you know the most skilled, then I will say that Joel Embiid will be probably the most dominant center in the NBA. Um, yes, you know, because uh, he has that inside outside game. He can he can really dominate a game. He can he can really like be that guy for the 76ers. And he is that guy for the 76ers. It just comes down to staying healthy. Just like mm-hmm. same same thing with Anthony Davis. Like Anthony Davis could be that guy, but he just has to stay healthy. Yep. They have to stay healthy. And that's and they have to evolve with their body. Like if they're if one guy is like 280 
Well, then slim down like another 10, 10 to like 20 pounds and, and, and start doing a little bit more uh, with your footwork and stuff. Like you can change your yeah. game. Like these guys have all these resources. I just don't understand on why they just don't take better. Like if, if I think Joel Embiid's like close to what, 280, 300 pounds. Like that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Of, that's He's kind of big. That's a lot of wear and tear on your body when you're jumping up and down with that weight. So yeah, it's yes. like if, if you like t- take care of your body a little bit more and, and he like I said, he's got to come back and be healthy for them to win a championship. If not, if they don't win a championship this year or whatever happens, I would just scrap the whole pro- – I would just get rid – I would just make some trades. Yeah. It's time for trades in Philadelphia anyway. Well, yeah. you can't get – yeah. I think that's a whole new episode for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number 33, we got Russell Westbrook. He is definitely one of the more controversial players – uh, nobody really fluctuates more in rankings than Russell Westbrook because the way somebody else views him is not the way somebody else views him. Just like it's, it's really unique. He's one of those weird players like that. Um, I believe Russell Westbrook's play style is uh very good in my opinion. I think that uh his pat his assist stats do not show um. Like, like his assist stats may show a better passer than what he is, um, but his ability to break down a defense with great athletic force and put so much pressure at the rim and then kick out to wide-open shooters because he's completely collapsed the defense was an unstoppable formula that he has always had. Um, he's, he's also had a good mid-range pull-up shot for a while, post people that are smaller guards. Um, he's one of the greatest athletic gifts that's ever graced the point guard position. Rebounds extremely well. Um, he has the mentality of a winner. He's always um, trying the best to win. He's always um, putting everything he has on the floor. Toughness, diving for loose balls. It's rare for a superstar to dive for loose balls like he does. Like he just plays with this toughness. Um, yeah, he's just a really phenomenal player. So, what are you guys thinking about, uh, Mister Controversial Russell Westbrook? Oh, I like Russell Westbrook, but he needs to uh, win a championship. He's been jumping from team to team to team. He's a great player. Um, from what you see now, he's still putting up the points and the assists and stuff. I'd like to see him do better with his jump shot and his shot sh- selection. Like some of the games that you guys see this year with him towards the end of the games, like he's done some really bad decisions. Like they could have won a couple games with him. I remember him going down, he turned the ball over a couple times and stuff like that. I personally think he should be going to a different position than point guard. He should be more of like a small forward, shooting guard, something like that. But he needs to have the ball in his hands to do something. So it's sort of hard for him not to do anything without the ball in his hands. But other than that, he's, he's, he's a great player. It's hard to do triple doubles in that league, man. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. He's the new Mr. Triple Double. He averaged a triple double for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Um. I definitely agree with Darren uh, that, you know, his decision making, his basketball IQ is a little lacking um, because, like you said, they could have won some games. He would just made the right choice instead of trying to put the cape on and be Superman. You could have passed it and been a Robin um, to some of the, you know, you have to defer to your better shooters sometimes, especially when you know that you're lacking in that department. Um, But aside that, he did have a, he has had a great career so far, Um, you know, but he's been, he's kind of had the bad rap because he's been, 
it's been said about him that he doesn't play a winning style of basketball because he wants to take all these shots and he's not a good shooter and things like that. But, but he, you know, outside of that, if you look at his, his playmaking ability, his, you know, passion, the way he can rev up a team and stuff like that, then these are the intangibles of things you would need on a winning team. Um, if he could just maybe either get better at shooting or learn to defer to the better shooter as, as time goes on, then he could, he could really, you know, submit his legacy as long as he wins something. Yeah, perfect. That was good, yeah. Uh, all right. We're gonna kick it to thirty-two. Dominique Wilkins. Uh this guy's six foot eight, built out of granite, extremely gifted athlete. He has a mid range game and post. Um he's not extremely gifted and super amazing at both, but he's good at both. Um his athleticism just gives a huge advantage. It makes him so amazing. He's a phenomenal rebounder, a phenomenal defender. Has allows him to just score so efficiently and so much ease. He dribbles the ball and just he once he leaves his feet, nobody else can do anything when he's in the air. So Dominic Wilkins is a rare, unique athlete that uh, I think has also been uh, underrated. When they came out again with a top fifty list in nineteen ninety six, he didn't make the list. I mean. He's making 32 on a top 75 list. That tells you how amazing he is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, He's Dominique great, Wilkins here at 32. Great scorer, great dunker. Uh, towards the end of his career, he was sort of, I think it was after pretty much Atlanta, he was going downhill after that, like with mm-hmm. scoring and stuff like that. I know he went over overseas and uh, made like some stupid amount of money. I think it was like 20 to 30 million a season or something like that. It was something stupid. But mm-hmm. yeah. While he was in the NBA, playing for the Hawks, he was unbelievable. Definitely uh, a pure scorer. Not much for the defense, but, man, he could score. Chris, what are you thinking? Um, Yeah, definitely known as the human highlight film for a reason because once he jumps, like you said, there's nothing you can do about it because his body is so strong. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, one of those power dunkers, especially like that, doesn't really have much of a – I wouldn't say he has much of a shooting game, but when he can, when he's down low, there's nothing you can really do about that at all. And he was, you know, yeah. battled Jordan in the dunk contest, you know, Twice. won some, lost some. Yeah. Think about it, you're in a dunk contest with Michael Jordan. Enough said. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. And then once he jumps from the free throw line, I mean, what else can you do about it? Because he's going to do it like eight times. And you're doing it in his, own, <laughs> in his hometown. Like you're going against him in his hometown. And yeah. you were yeah. still, and you were still doing the oohs and ahs, like some of those dunks he was doing. It was vicious. Like they weren't like anything special, but when he threw a windmill down, you knew he threw a windmill down because you're gonna feel it. Like you could yeah. feel it from the sound of the rim. Like that was power. Like when you took it to the hole, it was power. Yeah, that's what I loved about Dominic Wilkins because it wasn't like a finesse dunk or something like that. Every time he took that thing, he was trying to rip that hoop down. Yeah. Mm. And it wasn't like some crazy, like, like silly dunks. Like these dunks were hard. Like he would do a back jam, a double pump back jam. Man, it sounded like a gunshot. Like it was just ridiculous. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's all power. Yes. raw power. Raw power. Yes. All right, you guys ready to kick it to thirty-one? Another small forward here. Yeah. Number 31 is Grant Hill. 
He's a six foot eight small forward, better mid range shooter than people really remember. Really explosive first step, had that crossover where everything really started for him offensively. Great passer, legitimate point forward. Um, definitely a very good athlete as well. Good jumping ability, can dunk on people, can finish at the rim with the ease. Uh, his ability to finish is extremely special. Just very g- good, creates everything off the dribble, mid-range, and in special guy. What do you guys think about uh, Grand Hill at 31? Well, he's a great player with Detroit. He uh, And then he played with Orlando, got injured. And then after that, it sort of wasn't the same. I don't even know if he yeah. returned, but I know after that injury, he was not the same dude. I think he may have even retired, or he tried to come back, and then he retired. But mm. if he would have stayed healthy and, and played like he did with the Pistons, he probably would have had a few championships and would have helped a lot of teams in his career. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy because he's like one of those great what if stories. Mm-hmm. Um, because like if he didn't get, okay, so say if he would have stayed with Detroit, right? Didn't get, didn't leave Detroit. Then they would have, he would have eventually ended up on that um, championship team with the Detroit Pistons. And then maybe possibly they wouldn't have went for Dirk Milicic got Carmelo instead they're eating sour grapes about that right now um and then they will probably even have more championships probably become a dynasty because they would have Grant Hill all those guys plus Carmelo Anthony they would be they probably would still be together right now oh, I agree it would have yeah. changed the whole landscape of NBA of the NBA history because like just just off him staying and he was so smooth with like his if you watch his game like his games he had that move where it would like he would put it between the legs and then he would cross you up somehow, but he would always mm. put it between the legs and then be explosive. You didn't see that a lot. Yeah. Like it was crazy. Like you watch his games, you come down, then you come down real slow with in between the legs, and then he would just boom, explode on you. Yeah. And him. And- Hello and welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast. Today we'll be talking about uh, thirty-one through uh, one. It's going to be fun. We're definitely going to start off talking about Grant Hill. So Grant Hill's chilling at thirty-one. Grant Hill is a great point forward, really understands how to create in the mid-range, great passer, mid-range and end game, does everything off of shot creation abilities. Definitely his game starts with that crossover. His crossover is very uh, deadly. Um, athletic, finishes around the rim with E. So, yeah, what do you guys think about Grant Hill? Well, like I was saying, he was uh, playing with Detroit Pistons. He went to Orlando, and then uh, he had the ACL injury. And after that, I don't believe he played anymore after that. But when he was yeah. playing, he had an amazing, uh, like I was saying, he had amazing uh, dribble with the explosiveness. Yes. And uh, he also had a pretty good mid-range jump shot. He wasn't much of a three-point shooter, but his mid-range jump shot was good. Mm. But usually yeah. it was, he usually take, took it to the basket more than he jump shot. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. And then, as I was saying before, he's, he has like that one. Just he's one of the. I, I wouldn't. I don't want to say maybe one of the greatest one of stories, but he no. has a great what if story because like if like okay, so he played with he got drafted by Detroit, um, and then he left to go to Orlando. If he never went to Orlando, I'm not completely sure about the history with that. If it was his choice or if he just got traded away or not. But if he would have stayed with Detroit, if they wouldn't have made that decision to send him off, mm. he would have eventually been leading into the, you know, the 2003 Detroit Pistons where they won the championship, 2003-2004 championship where he won the championship, and then they probably would have been able to draft Carmelo. Yeah. Um, so 
then instead of getting Dirk Milicic, who didn't pan out, and Carmelo, of course, panned out, had a monster season in Denver. So just think about that. Now they would have probably created the dynasty because they would have been able to keep that championship run going, and we would be looking at Detroit a lot differently than we do right now. Yeah. Detroit got a lot of our respect because of the bad boys, but they would have had even more of our respect had they been able to do it in the modern era of basketball. Yeah. 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 That's a good point, Chris. All right. You guys ready to kick it to 30? Yeah, let's go. Number 30 is Jerry West. Ooh, this guy, logo. six foot three, uh, describing his game is fun because he has a lot of creativity. He's a very great passer. Um, you can make an argument that he is a point guard. Uh, he's a point guard, shooting guard. He's kind of both. Um, he's a, so, you know, eight to nine assists, a game guy. Very knockdown shooter, the ability to hit it from tough angles, leaning back, turning over with one shoulder. Legitimately has NBA three-point range uh, and shoots it very easily. Um, everything's a shot creation for him. You'd be surprised how advanced he was, shot creation abilities. Uh, this guy would be really scary if they were running the pick and roll more because he'd be a great fit in the pick and roll as the ball handler. Um I really think he could still average 28 in today's game. He'd fit beautifully today. Uh, it's rare for an older guy to fit so beautifully in this era, but he would. So what do you guys think about the logo? Mr. Clutch. He was a great shooter. Right, that was play- he played with the uh, the Lakers there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he was just with the Lakers. I don't think he played with any other team. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. I think it was just the Lakers. Yeah. It's crazy how he's a logo, though. Yeah, he's got to be some kind of player, man. I think since I honestly think Kobe should be the logo. I think Kobe should be the logo because he passed away. His impact on basketball. Yeah, or like Wilt or Bill Russell from the sixties. I mean, like they seemed like bigger names, but it is what it is. He won. A, he was a five-time All Defensive Player too. Oh yeah, for he averaged he averaged twenty-seven points a game. Yeah. Five rebounds and six six assists. And he was only six foot three. Yeah, and he stayed with the same team. He never got. He never got traded. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. And he had a Little twenty. Use like- he, he had twenty points, other than his rookie season. Wow. He so let him 13, age gracefully with that team. Yes. Yeah, uh, thir- 13, 13 out of the fourteen seasons, he averaged over twenty points a game. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's called clutch because he's like probably the clutchest shooter in history. <laughs> he's only, yeah, he's only won one NBA championship, which is mm-hmm. crazy. I thought he would have won more than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the he couldn't get through the Celtics and when yeah. Baylor were a really good combo, but they weren't able. Nobody could nobody could get through the Celtics back then. Yeah. Basically an Olympic team. Yeah. Running that fast break. Yeah. Are you ready for number twenty nine? Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, I mean, what's the point in me even reading this? You, you, you talk about. It. You talk about. All righty. At number twenty nine, we have the one, the only Pistol Pete Maravich, one of my favorite players of all time. At like, I don't know how I would rank him or LeBron, but it, I don't know. It's just Pistol Pete Maravich. Um, definitely want to. I'm gonna use my word. What word I haven't used in a minute. He's definitely an enigma on the court. Um, just his creativity, his shooting ability, passing ability. I mean, just what he was able to do on the court in such a short a period of time. I mean, I know he was pretty much known for his time with the Jazz. Mm-hmm. But just if 
we could he could fit seamlessly in today's game. We could see it in other players as well who may I'm not sure how much of a story in these today's players are or anything, but you see a lot of Curry in him, I guess you could say. It's definitely what point is the passing ability because it's just his creativity with the ball mm-hmm. and just his shooting ability. I mean, he could shoot anywhere on the court, probably one of the I think he's had the record for most points in a in a, in a, like in college history or something like that and just it goes on and on <laughs> i don't know how else to talk about because i just get so excited when his name yeah. is mentioned because he's <laughs> the guy was amazing he was a great all-around player his passing was way it was like crazy if anyone gets a chance to watch it, i remember like i was saying in the last podcast he's the guy that taught me up with basketball because i watched his uh homework he has a dvd of like uh and uh, yeah like i've seen fundamentals. that too. there's like five uh discs or whatever it is and Back then it was tapes, so if you can get the tapes, but man, he was amazing. He would do stuff that you could just sit there and that you definitely next generation player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, and I think in that tape, if I'm not mistaken, he was showing this pass where he was like, it was a normal chest pass, but he flicked his wrist to the yeah, left you can and the ball it. went over there. Yeah, you can like flick it uh, downwards, sideways, but he would do stuff that you would just be like, wow. And he would do it in games. Like I remember, yeah. like in, in a game, he would twirl his hand around, then he would shovel the pass, and he was a true showman. Yes, this is where he really like revolutionized the game in such a way because we don't we see this in NBA, of course, but we also see these things, these moves that he was pulling off in street ball as well. Yeah. So it's like everybody is influenced by Pistol Pete Maravich inadvertently because they don't probably know who he is, but they probably watch other guys who watch Pistol Pete Maravich. It's like, oh, that's cool. I'm gonna try that out. Yeah. So he's really like birth a whole like era maybe even eras possible yeah. future eras yes. of basketball players with creativity with handling ability like none other yeah i agree 100% agree with everything though Seth. he's amazing amazing yeah if only his you know coach would have been like hey this guy's a great scorer <laughs> he doesn't have to have his back to the basket I think he shot over like fifty percent a year in three point percentage, like shooting like maybe it's ten three point shots. And I was like, how could you be the head coach and be like, man, this guy? We should really let him shoot behind the three point line. It's like a crazy idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, so after after Atlanta and Utah, he was that was pretty like towards the end of his career. He wasn't like Pistol Pete, but like when he was playing with Atlanta when he first came into the league. He was, uh, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Pistol, Pistol Pete, man. Pistol Pete, definitely an enigma. Yes, sir. All right. Next man up is Chris Paul at 28. Uh, this guy is like a meshing of all the point guard teachings and like a meshing of John Stockton with Gary Payton. Uh He's a very. He was very athletic when he was younger, when he was playing with a uh, blinking like Charlotte, the Pelicans. They were used to be the Charlotte something. Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, yeah. They used to be the Charlotte Hornets, and uh, yeah, he was really good, phenomenal. He's a phenomenal passer, world class at that. Uh, he's a great assist to turnover ratio guy, like John Stockton. He's a good finisher around the rim, uh, maestro of the pick and roll. World class defender always has been. Can shot create from the three point line. A good three point shooter. A good mid range uh, shot creator. Um, yeah, very special guy. What do you guys think about uh, Chris Paul here at twenty eight? Yeah, it's a great mid range jumper. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. He goes into the key and does that fadeaway mid range jumper. Mm-hmm. He's got great handles. 
And uh, man, I hope I'm hoping that he wins a championship with the Suns. That'd be great for him to finish his career. Yeah. Uh, the point guard, Chris Paul. Um, how do we describe this man? Um, so he's really more of like an old school guard mixed with like a new school guard in a sense, because like he's really a traditional point guard. We've always say this is that he can really be the floor general. He can really like put the ball, you put the ball in his hands. He's going to get you to where you got to go. He's going to make you win games. He's going to play a winning style of basketball, make everybody around him better. He really is able to, he really has a high basketball IQ in which he knows who to pass it to, when to pass it, when to take that shot. His, 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 his thinking um, far as basketball is just kind of it's not unmatched because we have LeBron in the league, but still, since is unmatched. Um, especially we see what he's doing right now with Phoenix. I mean, without Chris Paul, where would Phoenix be technically? Because Phoenix, he made that team, he elevated that team because he found he, he as long as he has a big, he can elevate a team because he's going to throw that pick and roll. He's making DeAndre Ayton look better than what he truly is because he's just able to elevate him to a level that he's probably. If, if as long as responsibly, he can reach that level. But until then, I mean, we don't know what he'll become afterwards. Yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely one of those guys. I mean, he definitely deserving on this list, even if he hasn't won anything yet, because he's just such a phenomenal player. He's he's been a phenomenal player since he came into the league. He, of course, when he was younger, he's a little bit more athletic, yeah. but he's been able to age gracefully in the league. Um. He's he's found more of a consistent shot you know, been able to find teams which really fit his play style in order to keep to stay relevant in the league. Because even though he's came in alongside, you know, LeBron and Carmelo and things like that, he's still able to he's never really fallen out of relevancy. Mm-hmm. You know, even with his time in Houston where he he was plagued by injuries and things like that. He still was constant constantly in the pitcher, you know, basketball wise, even whether it's the playoffs or it's just, you know, we're constantly talking about Chris Paul because he's just that kind of guy. Yeah. That's perfect. He's averaging fourteen and ten right now, so he's he's on his way to helping his team make it back to the finals. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna kick it to number twenty-seven. One of my personally favorite players, Bob McAdoo. Um, I get upset thinking about him every single time. Um, he's one of the most underrated players I've ever seen. He's six foot nine. World-class mid-range shooter. You have to put him in the conversation with Kevin Garnett and Dirk Nowitzki as the greatest mid-range shooters ever at the power forward position. It's all tough shots. He can post a little bit, but that's not where he really is amazing. I mean, what he does is he's able to you know hit tough fadeaways and over one shoulder and stuff like that. But what makes him special is his shot creation ability. He's a good athlete, but his shot creation ability from the mid-range is special. He's able to dribble to the rim, finish with ease. Um, He's a guy who creates everything for himself, which is extremely unique. Uh, You can isolate him out in the wing, and just he'll just go to work. Um, It's kind of like if a great two-guard of that era was six foot nine, he would look like Bob McAdoo. It's really impressive. He would be the greatest third. He would be the third greatest power forward in the league right now. It's really rare for a guy like this to be so special. It's just he's always been a bad, a bad team. But if you want to see something and have your mind blown, just go watch his fifty-point game in 1975, where he's playing against Elvin Hayes and Wes Unseld. Unsel- is by far the best player on the court. So Bob McAdoo is our twenty-seventh guy. Well, man, you basically said it to the T there. He he, he's, he won a uh, he won an MVP. 
He was an all. He was on. He won the rookie of the year, three times scoring champ. He won two times NBA champ. He's only six nine, two hundred and ten pounds, man. Mm-hmm. That's not very big. Yeah. That's tall, but not very big. So he know how to score with uh, using uh, not just his athleticism. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't start like diminishing his skills until like the eighties. He started playing in the 72, 73 season. And then around the 80s, he started going downhill a bit when he started playing for, like, Detroit, New Jersey, and L.A., the Clippers, and then finishing off with Philadelphia. So Yeah. Yeah, his Lakers years where, where he was the sixth man on those Magic Johnson teams with uh, Kareem was interesting. Yeah. To him. What do you think of Chris? Yeah. He kind of summed it up, really. <laughs> He's definitely uh... – Really a great power forward, especially for that time period. Um, you know, just looking at his highlights, this is a great mid-range shooter. Able, you know, he's not really, you know, he can he has a big body, he's strong, so he can bang down low. But he really like takes advantage of that mid-range um, and mid-range shot creation ability, especially um, along with his. Uh, I can't. I think the uh, mid-range shot creation ability. Definitely takes advantage of his mid-range shot creation ability, especially on those bigger guys. And then his also skill, um, I saw one highlight where he kind of upfaked the guy, spent around him, and laid it in. So it's not just uh, – it's a little bit of flash finesse and a little bit of power as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Getting close to the top 25 here. Uh, number 26 yeah. is Penny Hardaway. Wow. Cool. Talk about a what-if story. Six-foot yeah. point guard. Absolutely amazing. Um, he can score from the post, mid-range, great passer, phenomenal athlete, solid three-point shooter as well. Um, he's a definitely a, would fit beautifully in today's modern NBA. Um, he can post up anybody shorter than him. He puts so much pressure on the interior of the defense. He's an athletic freak, freak of nature. He also has really good basketball IQ as well. So really special guy here at uh, 26. What do you guys think about Penny Hardaway. Crossover. I think that was Tim Hardaway you're talking about. I thought Penny Hardaway got a pretty decent crossover too, right? I, Penny I'm Hardaway? not. Yeah, I thought it was like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a good crossover. Or was he just known as a tall guard who could shoot? I thought he reminded me of like a, when he was playing with Orlando, he reminded me of Magic Johnson there for a little bit. Okay, yeah, so it's a playmaking ability. Maybe I am thinking about Tim Hardaway. I'm getting it wrong. I think, okay. you're, I think you're thinking of uh, the Tim Hardaway with the killer crossover. Yep. Yeah. Because he, uh, Penny Hardaway was more like the, uh, he had Shaq on there. And then I think he went to Phoenix afterwards and then Orlando. Mm-hmm. But he was, people remember him for Orlando for when he was playing yes. uh, with uh, Shaq. Mm-hmm. They also went to the finals too when they played against Houston and they lost. Yeah. So here's a story he, about that. Go ahead. He's a, yeah, but he's a he was a great uh, great point guard at his height. So. Yeah. Here's a story about that with the Houston Rockets. They had they believed if you if you, if you ask Kenny Smith, I think he said it even on TV. He said that they he said that that team that Randall team was so good that it was that they were going to win championships. <laughs> Right, like you know, within a couple of years, so he had to beat him now. Yes, yeah. Or even and like, even when like when Shaq left, he still played with Orlando afterwards. And he was trying to be the big dog there. He tried to do it, didn't really work out. And I think that he just left Orlando because of money. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think he went to uh, either Phoenix or Orlando. Mm-hmm. I remember. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a great story. What if they would have kept Penny and Shaq together? Would Penny have gotten hurt? Probably not. Well, that's Maybe like they would have That's like if Kobe and Shaq would have stayed together and not fought. Would they have been the, the one of the greatest uh, combos of all time? <laughs> one of the greatest teams. Easily, they probably would have been one of the greatest combos. If, but Kobe didn't understand that Shaq didn't have to go to practice, or they all he had to do was go eat cheeseburgers yeah. during the off season. Yes. But back then, Shaq, like back then, playing those power forward, like playing center and stuff like that, you didn't really need to do much. Yeah, yeah. get away with eating that kind of doing that kind of stuff. But if he was like had a work ethic, man, he would have been the most dominant center of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, you guys ready to kick it in the top twenty-five? Of course. All right, a modern guy at the power forward position, Anthony Davis. Um, this guy was ridiculous in the bubble, the playoff run with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, he has really great moments. He's a really good scorer, mid-range shot creator, good post guy, phenomenal fit in the pick and roll. Um, he can stand out there and shoot three-point shots. Um, his real gift is in the mid-range, though. He is ridiculous. Nobody can really block his shot. Um, his fadeaway is unstoppable. Um, he's absolutely ridiculous. He's also one of the greatest defenders you'll ever see, and I still think he's the greatest defender in the NBA. I mean, he's switchable, guards everything, destroys switches, is an insane watch shot blocker at the rim, um, good rebounder as well. He's just a great power forward. So what do you guys think about Anthony Davis here? I liked Anthony Davis when he was playing with the Pelicans. Now it's sort of like he's turned into a Band-Aid, to be quite honest with you. He's just not Three playing. Games. He's either sick or something's wrong with him. Or when, like, LeBron is taking a break or whatever, I thought AD would step up more. But as far as, like, an overall, like, with his the talent and stuff, he's a great player. He should be in the post more and not be more – he shouldn't be shooting threes as much as he should be. Mm-hmm. He should be in the post and dominating. And then take it outside if he needs to. Yeah. But yeah. I think he should be living in the post right now with the Lakers. That's really where their strength would come from if he was, because they have such big guys mm-hmm. and they would just bang down low and stay in the post more, then they would win a lot of games because they would just get put in, they would get fouled so much. They would just be end up in the bonus. Mm-hmm. And then they, and then teams would be scared to bang with them down low. Then they can go outside and start shooting the jump shot. Mm-hmm. Like he's having a, a career high season this year. He's averaging twenty four points and ten rebounds. His career average is twenty three. So he's on his way if he stays healthy. That's the main thing with these guys, man. Like they're playing great, but they're not healthy. Mm-hmm. Like they're either something's wrong with them, or, or or they play for like 10, 20 games are out, and they come back, and it's just like they got to stay healthy. Yeah, he's definitely injury prone. I think he needs to put on a little bit. I think he tried to do it in this offseason, putting a little bit more muscle on his body to be a little bit. Uh, more consistent, but more muscle on your body, man, puts more wear and tear on that body too, right? Because wow. you're jumping up and mm-hmm. down with 250, 60, 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. You're jumping on those knees, and his ACLs already been having a problem uh, last two seasons. I thought last year when he when he got his ACL injury, I didn't think he was going to come back. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. he, I thought he ripped that thing right out. Yeah. So. Well, when he was in, when he was rookie year in, uh, when his rookie seasons in, or when he was playing with the uh, New Orleans man, he was unreal. Yes, unreal. If him and Demarcus Cousins, like you guys said, were healthy and stuff, they would have won a championship, no doubt, absolutely yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Tough on the league, yeah. Chris, are you ready for number twenty-four? 
Number 24 is Kawhi Leonard. Um, he's really impressive at peak. Um, he's a great mid-range ISO guy, uh, understands how to be great in that area. Never been a great passer, but we all know he's a phenomenal defender. Um, he attacks the bas- basket with ease, shoots the three-point shot. Um, you can definitely see him using a lot of Kobe Bryant's for inspiration footwork-wise. Um, he understands angles. He understands how to use his body very well. He's also extremely strong. He's a special player. Um, he's just, you know, very injury-prone, but his peaks with the Raptors and the Spurs were pretty impressive. So what do you guys think about Kawhi Leonard here? I thought he was good with the Spurs, but he started breaking out when he was with the Raptors when he played that season. Yeah. He really put himself on the map with playing yeah. and uh, putting himself as one of the best players in the league. And then he went to the Clippers, and I think he found out that he couldn't do it with the team he had with the Raptors. And uh, I think he's just coming back from an ACL injury right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's back yet, is he? No, no. he's not. He- I don't even know if he's even going to be playing this season. They don't yeah. Know yet, so. yeah, I think he's out the rest of the season. Yeah, but like his time in Toronto really made him – like he was the best player on the planet when he was with the, the Raptors because he won – he got traded, won it. And then I remember in the offseason it was just like a frenzy trying to get him signed. Mm-hmm. Team, so – yeah. I want to sure. interject, please, if I yeah, can. Sure. You said that Kawhi was the best player on the planet when he was with the Raptors. I think LeBron like when, hurt. Like, no, like yeah, when he was with the Raptors, when they were on their playoff, uh, like after that season, you know, when they won the championship. Yeah. Into the free agency, he was the best player on the planet when they won the championship. Yeah, because LeBron was hurt. Yeah, that's why he was the best player on the planet. <laughs> oh, okay. I, just, I, just, I, just, I, just, I just had to make sure that was. <laughs> Because, it, okay, so listen, um, I respect Kawhi Leonard. I, I respect what he did in Toronto, especially for that team, because he was the best player on that team, you know. And during that season, he was doing, he definitely was his breakout season. I completely agree with you there. But I, I just, I don't know, because I feel like it's kind of like the Giannis thing, like how we're like, okay, Giannis probably wouldn't have won that championship had there not been so many injuries throughout, you know what I mean? But the main team that had the best chance of taking down Toronto was completely injury prone. It was in- completely riddled with injuries. Yeah, Katie was out, Clay was out, and Curry was hurt. I would- but he also got he also got traded halfway through the season, and then took that team to the to the NBA championship. I don't think LeBron James, if he got LeBron James got traded to another team halfway through the season, would take that team to the NBA championship like Kawhi Leonard did. I will I will say this about that Toronto Raptors team. I would take them over the Bucks from the NBA champion. And another thing to note about them is that Philadelphia 76ers team that they beat on the way with Jimmy Butler and Bede and Simmons was pretty stacked. I mean, yeah. second shot, but, you know, I think when it comes down to teams that they beat on the way, I think they are, in my opinion, Higher, more highly regarded than the Bucks, than like teams that people consider like they shouldn't have won. Because obviously the Warriors with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson healthy probably would have beat them. But you know the Toronto Raptors are not as bad as you know the Bucks. NBA champion. And you got to think too that he came out more of an offensive threat playing with the Raptors than he was with the Spurs. In the Spurs, he was known for the claw, his defense. 
all that kind of stuff. In Toronto, you saw him play more of an offensive and defensive threat. <laughs> yeah. So it was sort of you're seeing like his coming out party with Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. You did get traded halfway through the season. I, I'll give you that. But if, uh, yeah, think about it. If LeBron James got traded from Cleveland to the Lakers halfway through the season, do you think he would go and take that Lakers team to an NBA championship that season? I highly doubt that. At the age of Kawhi Leonard? Yes. Uh, no, I'm talking that season. You're talking about right now? Yeah, I'm talking I'm talking the, the season Kawhi Leonard did. Like his age, at, at Kawhi Leonard's age, same age as LeBron James. Mm-hmm. If, if they got traded, if LeBron James got traded from Cleveland to the Lakers or wherever he got traded to halfway through the season, I don't think LeBron James could take that team to to the finals. Okay. LeBron James is too much of uh, you may see him on the court. He's like a great player, but he's got too much politics in the back there. Same thing with. <laughs> I just think I just think Kawhi Leonard that season that Toronto Raptors season was special. I think that whole team just from like Kawhi Leonard, uh, Shabaka or Ibaka or whatever, Lowry, all those players fit in. But if you put they LeBron, did fit really well together. Put LeBron James into another team, I don't think he would have fit in like that with his other teammates because every time that LeBron James goes on to another team, it sort of seems like with Kawhi Leonard that there's always some problems. But that season with Kawhi Leonard, there wasn't any like crazy like friction drama or whatever. They played basketball as a team. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I I, I don't know. But LeBron James has never been in that predicament where he's been traded halfway through the season. So you'll never know, right? Unless he requests a trade halfway through the season. Yeah. Or he's trading people halfway through the season. There you go, right? <laughs> so it's sort of like... LeBron GM. <laughs> there you go. He's even coaching now. I seen him when he was playing a couple weeks ago when he was injured. He was on the sideline coaching, so... Yeah, lay GM. Yeah. It all depends, man. But that, that Raptors team was special, though. Like I, they, It wasn't just Kawhi Leonard also. It was like the whole team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. whole team was firing them. Like also. Van Fleet right. came out. He actually yeah. came out, broke out. Siakam. Mm-hmm. So, Siakam, yeah, he got that big, he got that big payday. Like there was a lot of guys that broke out. It wasn't just Leonard. Yeah, yeah. So you're right, you're right. But then you know he was in the East, he was in the West. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, hey, Chris, do you want to kick it to twenty three? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move on. <laughs> who's twenty three here? Damian Lillard, uh, one of my personal favorite players in the NBA. I've always thought he was better than Kyrie Irving when they were both uh, young and developing in the NBA. Um, he's also much more bouncy than people really remember. He was in the slam dunk competition one year. Um, he's an average defender that's never going to be his gift. He's an above-average passer, never is going to be his gift. His gift is... Ridiculous three-point shooting from range, uh, and that three-point shooting range opens up everything offensively. He legitimately has Steph Curry range, and he doesn't do all the off-ball stuff Steph does, but he does have that range, and it's ridiculous. He's just a tough shot maker at every level of the defense, extremely clutch, uh, and ridiculously impressive. So Dame Dalla here at 23. 
I know you know what I'll, I'll take this one. <laughs> no, Dame the Dame Dollar. I like him. He's a good player, but he needs to, he needs to get out of Portland to win a championship, though. I agree. if he keeps if he stays in Portland, he will not win a championship. He needs to get out of Portland. Yes, and uh, and go find a I team that, that he can go and 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 help him win a championship. He those days in Portland are done. Yeah, yeah. He's done great, but man, he needs to get out of there. Yeah, if he's not out of there by the next two seasons. That's it, man. Yeah, no, I just don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right about that. Yeah. He definitely needs to get out of Portland. It's time for him and CJ McCollum to split up <clears throat> because we've been shown time and time and time again. I don't know why he's trying to force the issue. We've been to- shown time and time and time again that this just does not work. Yeah. The pairing doesn't work. It keeps it up the same team expecting a different result. It's insanity. Yes. Doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result is insanity. That's the definition of insanity. They're insane. They need they need to fix that. Yeah. You split them up. You let them go their separate ways. If you want to keep one some in Portland and then build around him, or if you want to keep the other in Portland, or send whoever you're gonna send away, send away. If you're gonna send, keep somebody, keep somebody. Whatever has to happen, let it happen because it does not work. It's been shown that it does not work. Yeah. Just trade somebody before you lose value on them. You're gonna be having a Philadelphia situation very soon if you don't get them out of there. Yeah. Well, Lillard's not even playing like his his stats are not like this season. He's only averaging like he's only he's averaging twenty two so far this season. And some of the games that like he was on streaks where he was like only averaging sixteen points a game. Yeah, because he's not he's not getting used to the um, the new rules with the uh, the fouling. Yeah. So, but he needs to go. He needs to get out of there if he wants to win a championship. Those um, Portland's not going to be winning a championship anytime soon. No. No way. All right. We're going to kick it to number two from one guard to another. Number 22 is Allen Iverson. This guy is six foot whatever. Uh, who knows what his real height is? He's really short. He's a rarefied era as an athlete. Great body control, great speed and quickness, great vertical athleticism. He has no flaws. Um, he's, a fen- he's a phenomenal first, bet- first step as well. And we all know his world-class handle is ridiculous. He has a great feel for finishing around the rim. Um, he is also a really good mid-range shooter, can create everything off the dribble. Pretty decent three-point shooter and defender. Was more of a steal guy, would really jump passing lanes. So, yeah, what do you guys think about Allen Iverson? I like Allen Iverson. He definitely deserves to be on the NBA 75. When he played in Philly, he was unstoppable at a point yeah. guard. I think he went from like a point guard to a shooting guard. He was like an in-between two-way player. Yeah. But his crossover was deadly. Yes. And when he was uh, got traded to Denver, he was also playing pretty well there. But after Denver, it pretty much went downhill after that. I don't think he went anywhere after that after Denver. I think he went back to Philly, actually. No, he went to, he was to, he went to Memphis. So I don't mm-hmm. He didn't play – played like three games there, and then he went back to Philly for – for this last little stint there, and he retired. But no, it, it was basically Philly and uh, Denver. But he was a uh, he was a menace as a as a point guard and shooting guard. Yes, I remember when he crossed up Jordan when he was yeah. in his rookie year. That was his coming out moment. Yeah, yeah. Or when he stepped over Ty Lue in the uh, Lakers uh, NBA Finals. Yeah. Yes. So he's done a lot of stuff. The sad part about it is they never were able to build a team around him. Yes. 
especially, you know, like he really put that team on his back, that Philadelphia team, and willed them to the finals, and they just they crumbled. I mean, there was nothing you could do against that Lakers pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And he won, he was, he won a lot of – he won a scoring championship. He won an uh, MVP. Mm-hmm. So I don't – And they were talking about practice. Yeah, but that's just <laughs> – the guy who dives across the floor, you don't think he's doing anything in practice? Like, yeah. right. Like, he was a two time MVP or a two time All Star MVP. He won the MVP once. Mm-hmm. He was a, his defense, he was a three time steel champ, one rookie of the year. The only thing he didn't win was an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. He averaged 26 mm-hmm. points a game as a career. Yeah. He also did a lot for the just the regular, the outside game of basketball as well, um, as far as fashion. Um, He's the one who got everybody out of suits, and now Russell Westbrook just goes crazy wearing, like, basically no shirt at all. <laughs> or, or, like, Kyle Kuzma coming in with a pink sweater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oversized pink sweater. Yeah, I don't know what the hell. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> you get that team drug test, that's what's going to happen. Eh? <laughs> I, I, I saw a picture of that. I was like... No, I think I've, I think I gotta stop smoking weed because this isn't real. This, this is not real. Uh, and then I see like, no, it's real. Oh my god! What would you, if I saw my player do that? I tie him. Oh, I, I can't say what I can say on this podcast. It wouldn't be that great. <laughs> so, but no, Allen Iverson definitely deserves to be on the seventy-five. Yeah, yeah. Chris, are you ready to kick it to twenty-one? Yeah, let's get it. All right. Number twenty-one, we have Dr. J. Uh, this guy, is six foot seven. It's important to understand that there are tiers of gifts and greatness. Ray Allen and Steph Curry and Red, uh, Reggie Miller are world-class three-point shooters. They're in a different tier than Patty Mills, even though he's a great three-point shooter. Dr. J, like Steph Curry and Reggie Miller, are the three-point shooting are in a, is in a world-class tier athletically. Uh, he literally looks like a float. He's floating midair. It's just so special. You pair that with extremely long wingspan and palming the ball, you can kind of get to the conclusion of where we're going to, where he's phenomenal. He's unstoppable at going to the rim. Nobody can stop him at the rim. He's ridiculous. You have to really watch him in the 70s and even during his ABA time, pre-80s, because he wasn't as athletic then. Um, He's just a really good body control, mid-range shooter, can post, really great defender, long arms, switchable. Um, he could walk on a court 5,000 years from now and average at least 20 points per game because of his athletic gifts. So what do you guys think about Dr. J here? I'm not going to lie. I love Dr. J as a player, but I hated him as a Celtics fan because him and Larry Bird would go at it all the time. I think Larry tried to fight him a couple times too. He even dunked over Larry Bird horribly. I was not a fan of I was not a fan of the 76ers, but mm-hmm. he transcended like the dunking and everything. If you see like the way people were dunking, he transcended like with the Dr. J and then Michael Jordan and Dominique. Like he started getting these guys with the dunking and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the one that did the free throw line dunk, I think the first, I believe. Yeah, I think he did an ABA dunk contest. Yeah, like he was like amazing dunker and, and a great overall player. Like you get him on the fast break, it's a wrap. Yes. Yeah. Remember that one layup he did where he got it like he put it right in the front of the hoop and then he spun it around and went underneath in yeah, the playoffs? Yeah, like, so famous. Or the cradle. Yeah. Or when he cradled it and dunked it on. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Wait, did he do the he did the cradle too? Oh, did he ever do the cradle? He came down on I the I thought Larry Nance did it. Oh, no. 
what's his name? Dr. J came down on the cradle and just crushed it on somebody. I, I'm talking Dang. like full, full arm out. Oh, it, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was basically just a billboard yeah. saying, I'm going to come down and dunk on you. That's what yeah. it's saying yeah. right there. I'm coming yeah. and you're getting dunked on. Yeah. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I seen that. I seen that cradle. Okay, yeah, because I know like Larry Nance did the cradle in, like a dunk contest, and then Jordan later did it as well. He was he was he, he was like the Michael Jordan of the ABA, basically. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking this is Michael Jordan of the ABA. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, it's a good low, and he could and he could dunk, man. Like yeah. if you want, he's more known for being a dunker. Like, yes. look at look at that. Yeah. Wow. See that? Just cradle on your head. Yeah. <laughs> As we're going through this, I'm sitting here watching like the videos of these guys on my tablet here. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. His dunks are just he's definitely he was definitely a five top five dunker of all time. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. So yeah. all right, man. Who's next? Number twenty is Tracy McGrady. Uh, this guy's a peak. This we're at peak podcast, so this guy definitely fits fits the uh, billing for peak. Um, you forget how amazing this guy is. He's a freak athlete. Can dunk on anybody. You can finish at the rim. He's a better shooter than people really realize. Um, a great three level scorer, mid range ISO guy, guy that can create his own shot from the three point line, finish around the rim. Um, also a very underrated passer, averages around five assists a game, um, which is very respectable. Six foot nine, you put a six foot nine body, you get one of the more freaky great scores you'll ever see. I mean, Kobe Bryant himself said that he was just like him, but he was six foot nine, so that's a great comparison. He's so skilled and so athletic, and if he just would have been not injured and would have been on a winning team, he would be more recognized. So what do you guys think about T Mac? I love watching T Mac. He when he was playing with uh when he was with the Raptors, then he went from Orlando. In Orlando he became this uh, crazy started being a pure scorer. Yes. And then uh he went to Houston mm-hmm. and he I remember he scored thirteen points in thirty five seconds. Yes. With the Rockets. Yeah. In one game. Mm-hmm. It was on December 9th, two thousand four, which was amazing. I think it was even in a. It was just in a regular season. But think about it: thirteen points in thirty-five seconds. It's insane. Yeah, he was insane. more of a. He's more. He's going to be known as a pure scorer. Like that guy can score, like anywhere. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Athletic scorer for sure. Um, Definitely known for his 13 points in five seconds, but he's really, really, really athletic. Him and Vince Carter, I think they're cousins. They can't, and I don't know what genes they have, but oh my God. <laughs> Can I join the gene pool? I would like to get my application. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, they both were just amazing. Chase uh, McGray's on a different level, especially with Tommy Magic, was like his coming out party, and then he joined Houston later on. Yes. In his older years, and he just dominated scoring wise. Yes, he was a scoring champ. He won a he won yeah. a few years in a row. And he won Rookie of the Year. Like he's he was a scorer. If you watch his games, he's got that jump shot where he would just he would just look at you and just pop it right over you. Like he had no fear mm-hmm. for scoring whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And God help you if you catch him on a fast break because he's gonna dunk it on you bad. Yeah. So, Chris, do you want to know a fun fact about one of your favorite players that's connected to Tracy McGrady? 
Why? Isaiah Thomas was one of the presidents or something really high up in the Toronto Raptors at that point in time, and he was highly influential in drafting Tracy McGrady. Wow, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he does do some good drafting. I mean, then he dra- I mean, he was a GM, so I think he drafted Grant Hill, too. Yeah, yeah. good basketball mind right there. Either a GM or a coach. I know he stayed in the Pistons organization for, like – his whole life basically after basketball. I mean, that's something that really bugs me is a guy like that should be in the Detroit Pistons organization right now. Like, yeah. that's why it's just, I mean, like Larry Bird should be in the organization of the Celtics, Kevin McHale, like all these type of great guys to just get lost that really at least know how to develop, become great players. Right. Like, they understand, okay, we need to put the work in. This is how you be a professional. Like, those type of things, it's, you know, definitely could be added to a lot of organizations. Larry Bird did do that, though. He went to uh, Indiana. He went yes. executive of the year. He went coach of the year. Mm. I, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he owns the Pacers right now, right? No, I don't think he owns them. I think he got out of the whole coaching and thing a long time ago. He went and did Space Jam. Oh, okay. Mm. All right. All right. Who's the next? Who's the next guy? I know who the next guy is. <laughs> the next guy is Luka Doncic. All right. Luka has the potential to become one of the greatest point guards of all time, but he's already flashing it. Um, he has just been a ridiculous scorer. His playoff series against the Clippers was insane. I think he was averaging like thirty-eight and eleven and eleven or something ridiculous like that. Um, he shot creates from every level of the defense, a uh, great three-point shooter, great mid-range shot creator. He also has a sixth sense for passing the basketball. It's insane. He has eyes on the back of his head. Um, he's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, he's not a great defender, but he doesn't really need to be. He's just as good as you can accept, expect someone to be with his athletic gifts and he's just so highly skilled it's insane so what do you guys think about Luca here I think he's going to be a great player but when he first came to the league they started comparing him to Larry Bird which was ridiculous he's not ever going to be Larry Bird because if he was Larry Bird he would have won an NBA championship in his rookie season and I don't see him becoming a three-time MVP in a row so other than that, I think the guy's going to be an amazing player. I hope he takes Dallas to a championship. Be nice. Mm-hmm. But what he did in the Olympics was what really impressed me. He destroyed people in the Olympics this year. Mm-hmm. I wasn't much of a Luka fan until I saw him what he was doing in the Olympics when he just started scorching teams. Yes. So yeah, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's I think he's coming back from uh, uh, an ankle injury. I think he got an, an, an ankle injury, so I, as long as he stays healthy, I think he might possibly win the, uh, the MVP this year. He's going to be in the running for Chris, what do you think of him? Yeah, I like Luca. I like his potential. I think that he has a potential to probably, you know, be the next evolution we're seeing in basketball as far as, like, the next greatest player. Um, that's where his ceiling is, at least, in my eyes. Um and he's got that step back. Like, he's got the step yeah. back jump shot, which is deadly. Yes. He's really one of those, you know, I, Dallas has always, like, really, I guess, hung their hat 
on like great European basketball players like Dirk. And then they got Porzingis, and then they were expecting Porzingis, and then Luka Doncic comes out of nowhere. So, um, but I think he really can be that next guy who to lead that organization into the future for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we saw last year what he was doing with the Clippers. I mean, if he would overcame the Clippers, then we could basically say that he was definitely the next the heir apparent for the um, for the Dallas Mavericks at that point. And I think, I mean, like, yeah, the Dallas Mavericks are kind of, like, not really showing too much this year. But I think they could still possibly maybe squeeze in at the end, and then they're going to be a problem for whoever they go against. You see how Porzingis stays up healthy. They need him to stay healthy for them to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They don't got no Porzingis. They're going to have a tough time. Yeah, he's not a unicorn anyway. He's a horse. Yeah. <laughs> He's playing like a unicorn now. He's averaging 26 now in the past seven games. So oh, wow. What happens here. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hopefully he stays. see what happens. That's, that's nice. Yeah. All right. Ready for 18? Yeah. One of the more harder players to rank, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, he has the chance to become the greatest power forward of all time. He probably is the best player. Uh, ball handler you'll find at the height of six foot eleven. Uh, he he's a great athlete, world class, extremely long wingspan, uh, makes really good passes. So he really causes a real dilemma for the defense. He just puts so much force at the rim and dominates the basketball game through around the rim, rebounding the ball and just dominating force. It's kind of like it's different than Moses Malone, but it kind of has the same effect of Moses Malone, where it's like I'm going to dominate you all game inside five feet within the basket and rebound the crap out of the ball and be a force of nature defensively. So he's a world-class defender, switchable. He's just he's so good at being dominant. So what do you guys think about the Greek freak? He's an amazing player, and he's done basically everything. He's won Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year. I think he's won basically every trophy that there's possibly the twin right now. Mm-hmm. If he gets that jump shot, he starts nailing that jump shot in his free throws, he will probably go down as the most unstoppable player that this league's ever seen. He's just yeah. got to go a little bit further with his uh, fundamentals. Mm-hmm. But, man, if he can hit that three-pointer in that inside shot, that mid-range, in his free throws, it's a wrap with that Euro step. Yeah. Yeah. And on the defensive side too, like he is a defensive, like he's a problem. Like yeah, he's taking yeah. the hole, he's gonna block it off the backboard. He's gonna he's gonna make it somehow difficult for you to try to make that shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's not also he's amazing on the offense, but he's even deadlier on the defense. That's true. No, hundred percent. Yeah. I know that he has been working on that three point shot though, because he was in the beginning of the season knocking it down at a pretty consistent clip, and that was scary for the rest of the NBA because, like you said, he he will go down as the most dominant player in NBA history if it, as soon as it starts falling at a consistent clip, yep. it's over because you already can't stop and drop to the basket. Who's blocking that? Who's stopping that? Who's stepping in front of that? Nobody wants to step in front of that. Nobody wants to take a charge on that. Yep. Nobody wants to. And if, and if you try to take a charge over it, what he's going to do? He's going to do like he did in New York. He's going to jump over you. You take your life. It's just, it's just what do you what do you do about that? You can't do anything. So he's unstoppable. Um he's high on this list now, but I'm pretty sure by the end by the time this next list comes out, he may even be number one. Who knows? He keeps on if they win another championship, he keeps on winning MVP awards and keeps on playing like this, man. He's gonna go down as the greatest player of all time. He's yeah. young too. In the next ten years, man, he's still got a long ways to go. A lot yeah. of championships and stuff you can win. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. Oh, also, this just in. Um, DeMarcus Cousins is planning on signing with the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, wow. I mean, for a one-year deal. Yeah. Well, that'd be nice. They'll probably just space. They'll probably use them as a backup behind Brook Lopez, the space. That's if yeah. Brook Lopez is coming back. I think he's injured right now, too. Uh, okay. Brook Lopez. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're bringing him in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good pickup. We'll see what happens with the Marcus. If he comes back, it looks like he even though shell himself when he was playing back in his older days. Yeah. That's a good pickup. Yeah. yeah. So. So he's hurt. Hopefully he can stay healthy, and that's really what I want him to do. Yeah, that's the main thing right now with the NBA, man. If these guys can stay healthy with what's been going on and stuff, then they can win championships too. So, yeah. mm-hmm. yep. All uh, right, who's next, my man? Number seventeen is James Harden. Uh, he's very underrated. Uh, this guy is ridiculous. He's averaged like thirty-four points per game a season while averaging more than ten assists. He's literally just a walking offense. Wow. <laughs> a very <laughs> drawing fouls. Uh, <laughs> uh, phenomenal maestro of the pick and roll, world class, tough shot, three point shot creator. Um, he is an okay defender after a few years of playing with the Rockets. Before that, at the early in the stage of the Rockets, he was a liability on defense. Let's all just admit to it. Uh, yeah, he was, and he's a great free throw line uh, shooter. He's a force to be reckoned with. The drawing fouls inside and um, <laughs> it's a skill, Chris. It's a skill. Uh, <laughs> great shot creator. Also, very underrated passer. Very special. As he's grown older, he's become a phenomenal passer. Um, so you pair all those shot creation abilities, ability to draw fouls, ability to go to the line, and ability to pass. You get a really great player. So James Harden here at 17. Well, he's a great player. He's been playing. I liked him when he was in Houston trying to win that championship. I didn't like him so much when he when he started crying and then going to Brooklyn Nets now. But it sort of seems like he needs to find a team that he can that the team goes around him and not just like I don't I don't see the thing with the Brooklyn Nets working with him too much. I think he's gotta yeah. find his own team that he can do his own thing. And I think that's what's gonna happen in the offseason. I don't see him signing with the Nets uh again with what's been going on. So I think Brooklyn's got this one shot to win a championship this year, and after that I think he's gonna go somewhere else. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Because he's in a, all of his stats right now are like his season stats are like low for like career averages. He's only averaging twenty points a game. When have you heard uh, James Harden averaged twenty points a game? Yeah, I think he's the Rockets. I think these new rules. Yeah, I was about to say that the new rules. I think it's yeah, but yeah, but still, like it, you're shooting up in the air, and you're like, I don't see on that. Like you watch him, like some of those. I think that rule is is great because. When people were doing that, they were taking advantage of it. So now they just can't do it at all. Yeah. So, like, when he was playing with Houston, he was averaging, like, over 30 a game. Since he's been playing with Brooklyn, he's 25, 23 points a game. So, sort of, he needs to find a team that uh, that he could be the star around. Uh, I, don't think yeah. he's, I don't think he's, like, a third or second wheel type player. That's because he's not shooting 15 million free throws a game anymore. Well, but then there's other things he can do, right? So he can't shoot free throws, so let's take it inside and shoot the mid... When have you seen James Harden shoot a mid-range jump shot? 
I can't name a time. There you go, right? So he can adapt to the game, right? So he can't take free throws. So go in and start shooting mid mid range jumpers. Start mixing it up a bit. You don't just need yeah. to go to the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a top ten flopper <laughs> for sure. So now the NBA knows that. So now he's not. That's why he's not getting all the points and stuff. So he sort of exactly. needs to evolve with the way the rules are. If he can't evolve, then he's just going to be one of those yes. one of those guys. Yeah, he's just going to start. It's gonna be gone with the wind. Yeah. <laughs> need to adapt. Him and Damian Little need to adapt to these rules here, but yeah, he's the main one. Yeah, for sure, because he's used to just <laughs> those yeah. hands up in the air, ball goes yeah, there. Yeah, he takes it to the hole, and then his arms would be flinging out all over the place, and they call <laughs> foul. It's just like, dude, you're running into the guy. What is he gonna do? The guy's standing up straight up, but you're flinging your arms around him like a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Does his arms up, ball goes in the air. He comes back on crutches. <laughs> and the one thing I can't stand is when these the when he when he gets a foul, he goes ref ref. What where's the foul? While the other player, it's a four on five on the way back or a five on four on the way back. Man, it's like, dude, get yeah. back! Stop crying about throwing too many hundreds at the strippers at the strip club, buddy. <laughs> he looks out of shape as shit too, man. Like he doesn't look yeah. like he's in shape at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should just move on to the next one. I don't care. <laughs> I think this is it for this guy. Long long live. If he doesn't win a championship this year and goes to another team, I don't think you're going to see him win a championship in his career at all. This is his oh. only chance. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I agree. Well, we're going to hit to the next shooting guard in this list. A guy who won a championship won three. Dwayne Wade. Uh, we care most about Peak on this rankings and his NBA championship from 2005 to 2006 is special. Uh, he's six foot four. Honestly, if six, if Michael Jordan was six foot four, he would look a lot like Dwayne Wade. Um, yeah, just like they both are not great three point shooters. They're both mid range uh, shot creators. They're both ridiculous athletes. Speed and quickness, body control. Dwayne Wade does have the Euro step, but uh, they're very similar athletically. World-class defender, just a guy who plays with so much toughness, really understands the game of basketball, good pick-and-roll guy, very underappreciated appreciated passer. So definitely a special player. What do you guys think about D-Wade tier 16? Well, I thought Dwayne Wade was great when he was playing with uh, when he was championship years, and then even after that, but uh, he's – Going to be known for when he was playing with uh, Shaq in his uh, in his uh, Miami days there when he won the championships. After that, he sort of didn't really do much. Uh, he was just sort of the just an average, just a, sort of a normal player just playing on that team. Mm-hmm. But in his in his in his, he's got a better playoff. I think he's got a better playoff average. Like in the playoffs, he was great in the playoffs when he was yes. up until two thousand eleven. 2012-2013. And then after that, it was basically just... Yeah, he went to Chicago. It would have been nice if he just would have just stayed with Miami the whole his whole career. Mm-hmm. I remember he tried to go to Cleveland. That didn't work out. I remember that, yeah. So. Yeah. And then he became like a good role player for the Heat after that. And I was, we were like, why? Why did we let him go? We traded him yeah. around draft pick. 
I think there was something going on with the, the organization and him. They were having some beef or something like that. But when he was playing yeah. with like Alonzo Mourning and, and Shaq during those those mm-hmm. when he was in there, it yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So smooth. Yeah. So smooth. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, Young Wade is definitely a different animal. Yeah. Mm, definitely will probably go down as probably like top ten, top five shooting guards of all time. Oh yeah. He was so smooth. Like he had the all all around game and it was just his smoothness. Like he would he could do shots in midair that you just couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. He took he stole Aris and he stole Anderson Verjao's soul that one play. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, like he won they won uh they won one with Shaq and then he won two with LeBron. Like when they him and LeBron yeah. were playing together, they were unreal. Unstoppable. Yeah. So that's where you yeah. Definitely on the on the NBA semi for sure. Yeah. Uh, number 15 eh, top 15 players of all time this guy sometimes will be in the low 20s mid 20s and I'm amazed by this David Robinson I mean a 7 foot 1 center he's just like the word wow describing him athletically is very adequate um, he's so special he's in just like great leaper extremely strong great speed quickness uh, amazing world class defender, great rebounder, has good post skill, and he can his uh, range extends free throw line and in way uh, just a phenomenal touch around the rim. So, what do you guys think about a dominant force like David Robinson here at fifteen? Well, I thought for sure he was a he was a great center, and he gave uh, Shaq a good run for his money for the scoring championship in one season. I think at the end of one game. At the end of the season, he had the last game, and Robinson scored 71 points uh, to take the scoring championship from Shaq. But when he was playing with the Spurs, he had Duncan. And uh, the only time I've seen him, uh, he looked normal, was when he played against Hakeem Olajuwon in the finals. But Hakeem usually made centers look normal yeah. <laughs> anyways. But he was a great player, and he was a lefty. You don't see too many lefty uh, centers like that. Like he had a good jump shot for a seven footer. Yeah, a good. So and he was and he was athletic as you could see. Yeah. So the admiral, uh, definitely one of the uh, more athletic centers. Um, just pure power, dominating down low. Um, definitely, you know, remember for his time, probably when he was pairing up with Tim Dun- with the young Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. and they became the Twin Towers in San Antonio. Definitely a time to remember. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like if you look at his resume, he's a ten-time All Star. He was a scoring champ, rebound champ, block champ, two-time NBA champ, ten-time NBA All All NBA, eight-time All Defensive Rookie, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, MVP. Anyone rookie year, so he's basically done the whole like everything. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of what like Giannis is has done already. Yeah, in his young career. So, yeah, yeah, man. And when he played with Duncan, they were unstoppable. Yeah, remind me of Ralph Ralph Sampson and uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spurs won championships. Yeah, true. So, Are you guys ready to kick it to fourteen? All right, number 14 is Dirk Nowitzki. Um, he's a special player offensively. He's extremely talented. 
Um, people really, since we just watched him retire, we remember him really old and not being able to move well. He moved better in his younger years. Um, his, he had good post game. That's something he had to develop as he came into the NBA, but he eventually got very good at it. It's an underappreciated part of his game. Uh, but he did most of his damage from the mid-range. That mid-range ISO game and that one-legged uh Fadeaway was just unstoppable, and that'll mm-hmm. be reach a new level of dominance. We all know he's a great three point shooter, great fit to pick and roll. Never been much of a defender, but he's a real offensive force. So, what do you guys think about uh, um, Dirk Nowitzki? I like Dirk. When yeah. I was over in Europe, when I played, uh, when I was playing over in Germany, he was uh, getting ready to go into the draft and whatever, and he was in Europe. And he was at a Euro camp, and that's how he got found by Don Nelson. Don Nelson came down and saw him at a Euro camp, mm-hmm. and he got drafted. But he was definitely a uh, point forward, as they like to call. Like he was, he could, he was one of the ones that uh, I think Larry Bird was the last one that could come down and and, and shoot like that. Like mm-hmm. He could stop his shot at his height. He was yeah. ten, and his shot was so high up in the air, you would have to catch him way early just to try and block that shot. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't that great on defense, I'll give you that. But he would make up big time on the offense. If you couldn't score against him on defense or whatnot, you're going to pay for that on the offense. Yeah. And plus, his one foot step back three point or his uh, jump shot, uh, it's still used today in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So he was sort of a transcender. He brought the European basketball. He brought it to another level when he came to uh, the NBA, which is is sort of transcending today with more European players playing in the NBA today. Yeah. Definitely. Long-haired Dirk was a different animal. Prime Dirk was a different animal with his time in Dallas. I think he spent his whole career in Dallas. Yeah, he did spend his whole career in Dallas. Um, he also has. He also will be attributed with probably winning the hardest, you know, NBA championship probably because he was legit, damn near dying on the basketball court and still gave LeBron forty five and won a ring. Yeah, yeah, they played against Miami like when they were like Miami was like the super team Miami and they beat them. So you gotta yeah. think about that really too. Yeah. I would just love to see uh, Dirk Nowinski and Larry Bird play on the same team. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Are you guys ready? <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, let's keep it going. Number 13 is Tim Duncan. Uh, he's a six big fundamental. Yes, he is. That's a great way to describe him. Six foot eleven, decently athletic, has always been an extremely skilled player. He's kind of like Kevin McHale in the post, like just extremely dominant down there. Um, he's an extremely uh, phenomenal defensive IQ mixed with world class rebounding. Uh, he also had the ability to isolate somebody in the mid range and dribble past them and uh, finish at the rim, dunking on people, all that type of stuff. Like a lot of great power forwards are able to do. Um, he also had a really good bank shot, really good ability to free throw a line and in. He was a really good mid-range shooter. He extended it as he got older, um, like after 2008, 2009, but really good players. So what do you guys think about uh, Tim Duncan? I loved him when he was in the post. He would do that turnaround uh, bank shot. He was the master of the bank yeah. shot. Like you get him on an angles with the bank shot, you're in trouble. 
you were basically mm-hmm. in trouble anytime he was in the post. He was yeah. one of those guys that you could take him from. He, he would take you from the top of the key. He could shoot from the top of the key. He could do anything in that post. Mm-hmm. And he was also a defensive threat, too. Yes. But his bank shot was basically the one that was the uh, signature move. Yeah. But it's also really quiet. He, he's like, he got a quiet five rings. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but his footwork. I, I had to look too, like, up. If you watch, if you watch him play, like his footwork, he does remind you of of, of Kevin McHale. But like his footwork was impeccable. Mm-hmm. Like he would do mm-hmm. moves in the post back then that you would just be like, it would remind you of like Kobe Bryant's footwork in the post. Like a, yeah. with a big man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do anything like crazy, like. He was like they called him the big fundamental. I think they called him because everything he did yeah. was fundamental. Like he didn't do anything yep. that was like crazy out of the book, like offense. He was mm-hmm. just doing simple things: bank shots, top of the key, hook shots, uh, maybe yep. some fadeaway bank shots. But he was he was pure fundamentals. That guy. Yeah. Exactly. You have anything to say, Chris? Um, no, I don't. Not with this guy. All right. Kicking it to number 12 is Kevin Garnett. All right. Mm. So, um, yes, sir. Kevin Garnett is six foot 11. Uh, he's always been a thinner guy. One of the top five post players at his uh, position all time. Uh, he's a great mid-range shooter, shot creator from the mid-range, uh, world-class athlete. Uh, can dribble a little bit and create his own shot. Um Good mid-range shooter off of the catch, great fit out of the pick and roll, lob threat, better passer than people really realize, uh, great rebounder, defensive force in nature. Uh, he's just a really, really special player. Um, his athleticism is insane. So what do you guys think about Kevin Garnett here at 12? I love Kevin Garnett because he went from high school to pro, but if you watch his journey, how he did it, he, he just did it with, like, I think he was doing, he went to Chicago, he did, like, an NBA workout with no shoes on. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, there's, like, there's, like, uh, stories of him and stuff. He went from, like, Chicago, he went from, he went to Minnesota, and then from Minnesota, he was signed a big, big contract. I remember he was, like, one of the first players to sign, like, a really gigantic contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't believe he didn't win a championship until he played with Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But from his time in Minnesota, he had Stefan Marbury as a point guard back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, he didn't really start to evolve until he started playing with Boston. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of his yeah. career, I think he played with New Jersey. And that was really about it. Yeah. Yeah. He had Sam Cassell. He had Latrell Sprewell. It was a Wally Zerbiak on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Some players. Is, uh, yeah. Kevin Garnett, the big fundamental. Now that's perfect because you said Tim Duncan, and then because Tim Duncan is really quiet, <laughs> Kevin Garnett is a loud mouth. Yeah. <laughs> They're literally opposites. Yeah, literally like super loud, super athletic. Um, just a really dominant guy down low. Um, but he also can stretch the floor, come down, and that's really what he able to was able, really what set him apart when he was in Boston was his ability to stretch the floor because um, he was pulling the big guys away and knocking down mid-range shots on them. Yeah. 
And he also was a 12-time defense, like all-defensive player too. So it wasn't just his offense; he was also a good defensive player, also. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Big ticket. I'm glad you- he won championship with Boston. So. Yeah. You guys ready to kick it to number eleven? Just barely missing the top 10 is Hakeem Olajuwon. He's a seven-foot center. Um, he's also a guy you could compare to uh, Kevin McHale in the post, just like a plethora of post moves. Um, he's also a great athlete, um, one of the more rare speed, quick uh, athletes you ever see at the center position. Ridiculous fadeaway, good mid-range shooter, absolutely amazing, has great timing on blocks and rebounding. Uh, phenomenal defender. He's. I also think he's the all-time blocks leader as well. Um, his ability to dribble with the ball in his hand and make create his own shot is also very special. He's a ridiculous fit in the pick and roll. He is just has no flaws at the center position. What do you guys think about Hakeem here at eleven? I love Hakeem, but he didn't start. Uh, he was great when he was younger, but he didn't start really ripping people apart until he started getting older. Like when he played against Robinson and Shaq in the finals, he really started coming out and showing people what he could do because he made them look stupid. Yeah. Extremely stupid. Like Shaq. I remember when he was playing against Orlando, he just ripped apart Shaq. Yeah. He just made him look silly. And then when he played against Robinson, I remember he, fa- I remember there's a, there's a move on uh, YouTube. Where he faked out Robinson three times in like one play, it was just ridiculous. Just the way his footwork and stuff, like he he transcended the whole the whole center position with your your inside outside game at that at that size. Like he he was a pretty big dude. Yeah, and he stayed with the same dream. Like he never. Oh no, he didn't. He went with. uh, I think he went to Toronto afterwards. After yeah, yeah, I think so. But his Houston days, he was deadly. Yeah. That dream shake. <clears throat> yeah. What are you thinking, Chris, about him? Uh, definitely um, one of those transcendent, a- transcendent athletes, especially from the center position. Um, really good at uh, stretching the floor and just banging down low, being really dominant, and he's really skilled. So, like uh, Darren was saying, you know, being able to – um, you know, having the plethora of post moves, you know, just like kind of sort of like Kevin McHale, but just like being able to up fake and get these guys off their feet and just really do do things differently than what a center would normally do. You, that's really showing the skill side of being a center. Not really. I mean, he had the power, but he was also very skilled as well. Like when I was, he was I, technical. When I was in high school, I'd watch his, his his moves, and I remember there was one move where he would go underneath the hoop, but he would fake it. And then it would make it look like the guys going on the other side and go up and over. Like there was moves that he would do that you would just sit there and be like, "Holy shit!" Like this, this yeah. is like he evolutionized like a lot of a lot of moves that that are uh, that you thought that couldn't be done for big guys. Bless you. Thank you. All right, Chris, are you ready? Breaking into the ten players of all time. Yep. Number ten is Kevin Durant. I mean, this guy's a six foot eleven, just walking bucket. He does everything efficiently. Um, he's one of the greatest shooters you ever see at that size. Six foot eleven, shot creation ability, um, great handle, great quickness, lateral quickness, great athlete. 
Uh, not like a super great vertical athlete like Giannis, but he does have the speed and quickness. Um, moves like a guard, has the skills of a phenomenal two guard. He's just ridiculous, great footwork, unstoppable shots because nobody can block it. Uh, great mid-range game, great finishing around the rim. Kevin Durant is absolutely ridiculous, so efficient. So what do you guys think about KD here at 10? I love KD. Uh, I think he's the best player on the planet right now. His mid-range game, obviously, as everyone knows, is amazing. Even his outside game is good. I just loved how he just came back from like his ACL injury and it's coming back playing like he didn't really miss a step. He's actually gotten better. And uh, with him getting like when he was playing with Golden State, he had the, the little dream team thing there. But I'm I, I would like to see him win a championship this season with all the silliness and whatever's going on. So I, I for him, I think for him with me with his legacy, I, I'd like to see him win a championship. Just staying and just stop bumping around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, other than that, man, he's amazing. In the Olympics, he just destroyed it this season. He was amazing in the Olympics. Yes. He's the reason why they won the gold medal, I think. Yeah. So, easily. Sky's the limit still for this guy. Yeah. What are you thinking, Chris? Yeah, KD, you know, he's probably more closer to like seven foot than six eleven. Yeah. Um but yeah, but he's super tall with like a guard skill set. You know, you don't really see that. Like seven footer you normally would be like, okay, he has to play center, but no. He has the <laughs> skill set and the finesse and the crossover move like a guard. He can also bang down low in the post, but I'm not saying like power wise, I'm talking more along the lines of he's gonna post you up and hit you with a fadeaway, come up mid range yes. and knock down shots in your face all day. Like it's nothing you can do about it. Unguardable, unstoppable force on the court. Yes. And he gets that little he doesn't need much to shoot it either. He gets that little gap in you, man. He's gonna pop it. Like he doesn't need yeah. much because you have to get up and try to stop a guy that's close over to seven feet tall on a jump shot. That's mm-hmm. tough. And especially yeah. when he gets that little, just that, he just needs a little bit of breathing room. Nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. So. All right. You guys ready for number nine? Yep, number nine is Steph Curry. Um, this guy is the three-point shooting as Wilt is the scoring the basketball. Uh, he is the revolution of three-point shooting. Uh, he's world-class shooting the ball off the dribble. Um, but he also has the Reggie Miller, the Rayon ability to go off ball and be twenty, give defenses twenty four six of death, where you have to chase him around for the whole shot clock, not even uh, take a second off because if you take a second off, he's going to shit the shot on you. Pretty decent passer, not a great defender, a uh, real good operator of the pick and roll. Uh, definitely another unique thing about Steph and why he's so hard to rank is because he has real gravity that has to be taken into account to his greatness because he stretches out the defense so far out that it makes everything offensively easier because there's more rooms to cut. There's more rooms for the Warriors to run their offense. There's more room for Draymond Green to do all the stuff that Draymond Green does. So He's a hard player to calculate, but we have him here at nine. So what do you guys think about Steph Curry? I'm just going to say right now, I'm a, I'm a massive Larry Bird fan. I thought Larry Bird was the greatest shooter of all time, but Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. If you watch the way he um, 
like we were talking before, with the way he goes around and gets his shots, he's going through screens, he's going up and around, his catch and release is just ridiculous when he gets the ball. And he's always got one or two guys on him trying to to um, to stop him, which leaves someone open. So it's just that whenever he's on the court with with on the offensive side, he is a uh, he is a massive threat. Yeah, he is also mm-hmm. like I said, the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah. Quite certainly. What do you think about Steph Curry's course? Uh, man, Steph Curry is—he's different. Um, he really changed the way basketball is played. Yes. Everybody now has to shoot a three. They have to guard him all the way out at the half court line. Maybe even before that, because you never know when he's just going to just pop it on you. Um, one of the memories I have of Steph Curry is when um, it was game time. Right, a couple seconds left on the clock. He comes. It's during his MVP season too. He comes down and hits the half court line and just launches it. Knocks down a three from half court line. Ends OKC's night. Yeah, I remember that. Phenomenal. Yeah, and it's just like you've never seen nothing like that, you know. And he just like changed the game so much. Like now, every team is like, okay, we have to have shooters. We have to have great ball movement. There's like every team is trying to be Warriors 2.0 because they they see that that works, but they can only be one Warrior, one Stephen Curry, one Clay, one Dre. Yeah. They fit so well together. Yeah. Well, he but just yeah, he, the, he just uh, became the the all time leading three point. Uh, I think he made the most three point uh, three point shots in NBA history just a couple weeks ago. I think yeah. he beat Ray Allen. I think mm-hmm. nobody's gonna break that record for a while. No. No, whatever whatever Steph ends up doing in his career, he's going to go down as the greatest three point shooter of all time. Yeah, yeah, or shooter. Yeah, hundred percent. He's really, yeah, he's really like changed the game completely. Yeah, oh, he's changed the game completely because everyone now wants to shoot three pointers. They just taken away from the fundamentals and they just come down and shoot threes, and that's about it. It's just picking yeah. rolls and three point shots, man. Yeah. yeah. Hundred percent. Which is fine because the next era or whatever, the next generation or whatever, it might be something different than the three point shot. So it's like every generation, if you think about it in the nineties, it was just like post and whatever, mid range and all that. You didn't see a lot of three pointers starting in the two thousands, you started to see it pick up with more three point shooting and stuff like that. Maybe uh in the next generation it's gonna be different. Yeah, he's really made the the league a really guard dominant league. Yeah, there's a lot of the the guys you know, this these undersized guys who can really like drop 30, 40, 50 points yeah. on you, sixty points on you. You know what I mean? And there's nothing you can do about it because they're just so skilled. Yes. And if you can't if you can't shoot in, in in today's basketball, you're not playing basketball. Like you have to yeah. shoot. You have to be able to shoot. Yeah. You hear that, Ben Simmons? <laughs> That's why he's out right now, almost bankrupt, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, man. They said that he's got some money problems right now. He says he's been buying a car every every month at like five hundred thousand dollars. He's got like two houses that he's like in in uh, in Philly that are like worth. Uh, he bought. They were like seventeen million dollars each. Like he's in some money troubles right now. They're not paying him, so he's got some money troubles right now. Mm-hmm. Hear that, Ben? So we'll see, see what happens with Ben. Are you guys ready to cook the eight? Yep. Yeah. 
Number eight is Kobe Bryant. Uh, this guy has phenomenal footwork, one of the greatest footwork ever you'll ever see in your life. Uh, legendary worth that work ethic, good athlete, ability to dribble drive to the rim with ease. Um, he's a pretty average three point shooter. Um, his great basketball IQ and defensively as well. Better passer than I think people give him credit for. He's not great at it. He's not like a good point guard, like a good great passer, but he's he's pretty okay and average at passing. Um, he is great defender, defensive IQ, just like wins with intelligence and skill. That's like the two things that I will always associate to Kobe. So what do you guys think about him? Well, the guy is amazing. I think he's a great uh, – he was uh, – before he passed, he was definitely one of the greatest uh, – as you can see, he sort of like reminds me of like he was uh, sort of like copying what Jordan did. Yes. You see like in Jordan's career and Kobe's career, he was a big high flyer and all that kind of stuff. As Kobe started getting down and Jordan started getting down in his career, they started doing more jump shots. As you can see, as Kobe started getting uh, like – um, down, like not, I guess not down in his career, but in his older years, he started getting more of that jump shot, the mid-range jump shot, a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just sad that he he passed, but as yeah. far as mm-hmm. what he or as what he as what he uh, left, man, that guy when he stepped on the court, he wanted to take your heart out with his teeth. Yeah, yeah, for real, and he didn't care. If his teammates didn't do it, he would go out of his teammates. He would get them to that point where that they would be doing that, what he what he wants them to do. So he just had that killer instinct that you just don't find with many players these days. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely had a toughness and a killer instinct about him. He really he really had that dog in him that when you know, it's it's either it's win or nothing, you know, like there's not there's nothing else besides winning. Um definitely one of the greatest workers we probably will ever see. Yeah. Um Yeah, he just worked so hard and it really showed on the basketball court when he got on the court. I mean, there's stories about you know, Kobe Bryant, how, you know, he practiced with his left hand, so just in case if he ever couldn't use his right hand, he would be able to still dominate with his left hand. Yes. That that's ridiculous. When he dropped eighty one on Jalen Rose, like we, we haven't seen a scoring fit like that and Ever, I mean, the closest thing we've seen it was like Devin Booker, and he had like seventy five or seventy two or something like that, seventy point, seventy one, seventy, seventy, yeah. seventy. Like, you know what I mean? I think he went on a, a went on a crazy like fifty point uh, barrage in his during his career. I think he was like going through like eight to ten games or something like that, where he went yeah. something like that. Crazy. Yeah. So, but his mid range game was was uh, lethal towards the uh, the the lower of his career there, the end of his career. He started really crushing that mid range jump shot. Yeah, I think yeah. in two thousand two thousand five two thousand six, he really started to uh, to started to bring his mid range jump shot more into his to use it more in his game than yeah. doing all the high flying. Yeah. All right. Next man up is Larry Bird. Six foot nine, such a world class shot creator, mid range guy, can post, great passer, defends very well, good rebounder, uh, world class three point shooter, would fit very well in today's game. Uh, definitely a positionless basketball. Uh, so, yeah, what do you guys think about Larry Bird? 
I'm going to let Darren go first. No, man. One. He's like, in my mind, I think he's the greatest basketball player of all time because he's like, he won this, he, when he came into the league, he won the he won his uh, the NBA championship. Uh, and then he just started winning, uh, I believe he won the rookie of the year. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, but from there, man, he stayed with the one team. But you could see on how he evolved with uh, the outside-inside game. Like, he would shoot the three, but he would shoot inside. He would go inside-outside. He was an underrated passer, I thought. I thought he was an amazing passer. Yes. And uh, it's just too bad towards the end of his career. His back started giving him problems. But in the 80s, man, he was unstoppable. Like, you don't even see uh, he's in a rare group of, of of players that have won three MVP uh, awards in a row. I think it's just him and Wilt. I think it's just him and Wilt. And there might be one other person, maybe. My mm-hmm. knowledge, but it's rare. So, I think he's the GOAT. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Very Okay. Um, definitely one of the greatest competitors of all time, in my opinion. Um, he really had, like, that great trash talk. <laughs> Great, you know, great mindset. He really had that, you know, just like Kobe, just had that. Um, it's kind of funny that you put Kobe at eight too, because it's one of his jersey numbers. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's like he's a great trash talker, great competitor. He's a winner. Um, he actually saved the NBA, him and Irvin Magic Johnson, because the NBA was on a downturn, and the clash between him and Magic Johnson really saved the NBA, sent the ratings back up. Yes. That's something that you guys do not know. They saved the NBA. Um. Just a competitor, a great three-point shooter, underrated passer. He, you're right. He is an amazing passer. Um, definitely was, you know, just a guy. He, he was perfect for that Celtics team. Yeah, like he won Rookie of the Year coming into his season. He won the NBA championship and rookies and the Rookie of the Year in his in his uh, in his first year. And he won the uh, he's a two times uh, Finals MVP, three times All Defensive NBA. He's a three times MVP champ. Uh, and he won the MVP. It's just like, yeah, so much more you can say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I think the guy. It's hard. Just think about winning the MVP award three times in a row back then. Yeah. So, like to this day, I don't think anyone's done it since he's done it the last. Yeah. Very great player. It's very deserved. Yeah, for sure. I think nothing more annoys me though that when they started comparing Luka Doncic or whatever his whatever his last name was to uh, to Larry Bird, I was just like, "Wow, you guys need to lay off the crack, my friend." Like, big time. <laughs> it's like for real. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big fan. Cocaine's of a hell of a drug. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> some of these people do definitely take some drugs when they're doing these lists. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! All right, who who do we got next? Who's at number six? Next man up is Magic Johnson. Um, this guy is basically a demigod at the point guard position. World class player. His gifts are so special and rare. His size, obviously six foot nine. Uh, his post game is very underrated. He legitimately had the skill of a borderline all star like post player. Um, he has really good hook shots, a 15 to eight foot, 18 foot jumper so that, you know, teams can't just stay in the paint. Uh, the greatest passer ever to play basketball. Uh, he definitely elevates his whole team around him. 
He has also the ability, like Steph Curry, to create a unique uh, style of play around him with that fast pace, the run and gun that the Lakers were doing back then. Um, he is he uh, really rebounds well as well. Uh, never been a great uh, defender, uh, but he is a phenomenal passer mixed with a great rebounder, mixed with a great you know scorer. I really believe that. If he wouldn't have had to feed Kareem so much, he could have averaged like 28, 12, and 12, and we would use him differently statistically. So, yeah, what do you guys think about uh, Magic Johnson? Well, he's the greatest point guard of all time, and that's really about all I'm going to say about (laughs) Magic Johnson. He's the greatest point guard. He was flashy. He brought showtime. He basically uh, was the one back in the day that that brought the uh, fast break. Like the flashy fast break, what you see. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a great jump shot, I will say that. But he had an awesome, he had an underrated post game. Like he could take you in the post. He could take the smaller point guards in the post. If you watch his games, you can see him that if the point guard, because he was six nine, six ten, I think it was about six nine, or mm-hmm. six nine, six ten. He would just take the smaller point guards into the post there, which you didn't see back in the day. Yeah. So. He transcended a lot of the what the point guards are doing today. Yeah. And he yeah. is also the greatest Laker of all time. Facts. Let's see that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he also... A couple quick stories. He won the rivalry between him and Bird. I think he has more championships um, in the end. Um, yeah, greatest... Probably the greatest point... I mean, he is the greatest point, not arguably... He is the greatest point guard of all time, for sure. Um, even at his, uh, I mean, especially with his height, he was able to play center at one point during the finals when Kareem got hurt. Um, it's a great playmaker, not really a, much of a great uh, shooter, but he got a little bit of that later on, maybe from the mid-range, not really much of a three-point shooter or anything like that. Yeah, he won um, five NBA championships. Like, he, uh, yeah. Bird only won three, he won five, so... Yeah, yeah man. he won that rivalry. He definitely won that one. But Larry Bird can still shoot better than Magic Johnson. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he'll shoot Magic Johnson on the table. Yeah. Go. All right. Who is the next guy? Five players of all time. Number five is Kareem. Um, he's seven foot two. He's about as good of an athlete you can have at seven foot two as height wise. Um, he's highly skilled in the post. One of the greatest post players of all time. He's a great tough shot maker and great shot t- tough shot taker. Um, when he's peaking athletically with the Bucks, he is a physical force. Like we've talked about before in this podcast, he dominates inside with force. He scares other people. He just really, when you see him with the Lakers in the 80s, is a different guy. Um, he's also a force defensively, uh, block shots, a great rebounder. He's also a really good passer. He has a really good feel for passing the basketball as well. So Kareem really doesn't have any weaknesses. So what do you guys think about Kareem here at number five? I like Kareem when he was with Milwaukee. I didn't like the old Kareem with the Lakers with the goggles and stuff. I liked the one when he was with the Bucks and he was crushing people. So with Kareem, you sort of saw it with the, the Lakers was sort of him breaking down a bit towards the end of his career there. Yeah. But I liked him when he played with the Bucks. He was amazing. Yeah. He didn't make it much either. Do you know how much he made when he was a Laker? He made $3 million at the max. Wow. 
but look at the time period though. I know. Think about that. That meant was a lot more. Three million, yeah. But back then, back in those days, three million was a lot. I would, I, I think. Yeah. But he didn't like his career highs. He had like the career high he had was uh, he had fifty five points, twenty nine rebounds, and eleven assists. That's ridiculous in one game. Oh my gosh! And that was with Check the, no, that was with when he was with Milwaukee. He had fifty three and thirty rebounds when he was with Milwaukee. Damn. Yeah, when he was with Milwaukee, man, he was a bad man. Yeah, no one, I wonder how many rings he got. He got to have at least seven. I think he's. Him? I think he got six. He got six. Yeah, he's a six-time NBA champ. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we'll keep it rolling. Number four is Shaquille O'Neal. Um, he's one of the harder players to judge because of his uh, ridiculous size. He uh, he has free throw problems. That's his negative. Doesn't have a mid range shot, you know. But who needs one when you're Shaquille O'Neal? Um, he's ridiculously huge, and that strength and size and athleticism that he had when he was with the Lakers allowed him to be an unstoppable force because nobody could – even double teams weren't enough. You're still getting dunked on. He's a dominant center. Um, he has pretty decent post skill. Uh, not extremely skilled, but he's very he's skilled enough to get by. He's also a force defensively, uh, phenomenal defender, phenomenal rebounder, uh, just puts fear into the hearts of his opponents. It's a real, real factor – um, he definitely impacts winning in a positive way and just a, one of the greatest forces that's ever graced the post position, probably the strongest, the most the most forceful player that's ever played just by the force that he exerts. So what do you guys think about Shaq here? He was great with Orlando. He was he was uh they went to the finals with Orlando. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then he went to the Lakers and he won a couple championships there. I remember in his year I think it was two thousand year that he was. A, I think that's pretty much his best season that he had uh, out of the out of the Lakers, the most dominant one. Then he went to the Heat. He won a championship, and then basically after the Heat, man, he just went like to he went to Phoenix, and then he went to Cleveland, then he went to Boston, and that was about it. It just would have been nice for him just to stick with one team and just stay with that one team for his whole career. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was. Uh, they definitely they even changed the rules for this guy because he was just destroying people. Yeah, yeah. So he will go down as one of the greatest uh, centers of all time, though. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Carson? Def- definitely super dominant. I know he had a fifty-five point game as well um, as a Laker, um, or fifty or fifty-five. I'm not completely sure exactly how many it was, but yeah, super dominant, a defensive force as well. I mean, he's blocking shots. He's He's just he's using his big body and he's just driving it at you and just dunking all over you. That's really what he did. He's he's a lot of power, a lot of power, a lot of raw power that it was that you couldn't overcome. So he really just bullied. He just bullied defenders in in the post. As soon as he got you in the post, it was over with. Because what are you going to do about it? You have three hundred fifty pounds of pure muscle dropping on you every time. Yeah, can't do it. He couldn't shoot free throws worth of shit, but he was pretty. He was Jack. <laughs> but if you think about it, with all that power, that goes that that basketball is probably like feeling like a little like tennis ball towards. Like, 
Yeah. You're just, you're yeah. just like that, right? So you got to think from his standpoint too. He's got, you can have all that power and stuff, but you're obviously not going to have your, uh, something's not going to be working. So if you can't take a jump shot, I would take going in the post and giving it to me in the post and a jump shot any day of the week. Cause you're just going to dunk yeah. it on you. You would just dunk it on you. You wouldn't just do a, a hook. He would try to rip that hoop down. He's done it a few times too when he was in Orlando. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, yeah, it's insanity how good he is. All right, you guys ready for the next one? Yeah, who's number three? All right. Well, this is probably the most controversial ranking. Uh, number three is Michael Jordan. He's the greatest defender ever at the shooting guard position. Uh, he is a highly skilled, fundamentally sound uh, shooter, shot creator for himself, mid-range, triple threat. Um, he's really good moving off ball, too. Very underappreciated part of his game. Pretty average uh, passer, but he's not terrible at it. Draws fouls well. Um, he, remo- he just moves so quickly. He's just one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. Um, he also has good basketball IQ, especially in the nineties. Um, so he's shooting on it over everybody. Uh, so yeah, but one thing to really have to understand about his elite athleticism is he's an amazing, has amazing world-class first step. You pair that with one of the craziest body control mid-air athletes I've ever seen. Probably just number one on that list when with a great finishing ability, with his layup package and his athleticism, dunking and speed and quickness, it's just, he's ridiculous. He's a real force at the shooting guard position. Nobody's really close to him at the shooting guard position. Um, this number three ranking for MJ is not indicative of us disliking MJ. It's just that one and two are ridiculous as well. So it was really close between two and three. Really had to think about it for a while. But what do you guys think about Mike at three? Oh, I think it's I think it's fine. I think with what he did within the eighties, in the eighties when he came with Chicago, he dropped sixty three with uh, against Boston, uh-huh. he destroyed Cleveland, and then he started going up with the uh, against the Pistons, and he beat them, and then in what was it? He went and uh, the Lakers in ninety one. He won his first championship, and then after that, he went in three peat. I think it no, no, he won his first championship. And uh, I think he went three, and then he retired. Came back, and then won another three, and then retired. So, uh, can only imagine if he just would have not retired and just would have stayed through the whole career as a bull, and how many more championships he would have won. Yeah, he got to play baseball. Yeah, but towards the end of his career, like he he changed his game too. He he wouldn't he wasn't much of the high flyer towards the end of his career. He really started getting that mid range jump shot. Like yeah. Mid range jump shot was unstoppable. Yes, if he, it was just, and if he if he couldn't beat you with that, he would just take it to the hole and dunk it on you. So yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, number three, uh, yeah, with the, with the next two guys that are coming up, it's it's tough. So yeah, what are you thinking, Chris? I'm not going to hit on Michael Jordan today. Um, <laughs> yeah, just quick first step. Um, probably, no. I mean, if Bill Russell had 11 and we don't really bring him in the GOAT conversation, it's not technically about ranks. It's about impact on the game. Yeah. It's about uh, 
you know, what you're able to do on an ability on the court. So that's one thing we can't deny about Michael Jordan is that he's one of the greatest high flying athletes, one of the great, probably one of the greatest athletes, you know, you know, the grace, I mean, you know, probably one of the greatest athletes to grace the basketball court. Um, not the greatest athlete. We're not going to say that. Um, <laughs> I mean, he just has like, what, his flu game, who could have been a hangover game. Who knows? We're not going to take that away from him. He dropped 60 points. He's three-peated, you know, it's, it's one thing to three-peat once, but you three-peated, like, you retire, come back, like you never left and three-peat again. Um, only Shaq and um, – Kobe were only able to do it once. They probably could have did it more if they had more time together, if they could have coexisted. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, I mean, he's a great player. A quick first step, like I said before, you know, not that great of a three-point shooter. You know, we shouldn't call him Michael Jordan. We should call him Michael Orton because he ain't got no J. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's also Skip Bayless' man crush. Uh, so, all right number two is mr underrated will chamberlain Uh, yeah he's breathtaking athletically great speed athleticism ridiculous strength uh he is we all know his athletic gifts but i'm sure we're going to talk about some of those stuff but something i was thinking about other than his obvious scoring greatness is how, like, deadly he could be in so many offenses. Like, if he had the Houston Rockets, Akeem Olajuwon offense, well, he literally led the league in assists one year. Like, he's a good passer. So he literally could have just been playing four out, one in, and double, and you just kick, and there's nothing you can do to stop him. Like, there's so many offenses that he would have just – the triangle, their goodness. The triangle, like, a center position – Shaq couldn't pass. So, like, Wilt Chamberlain's, like, a legitimate great passer. I mean, even in the modern NBA with guys like Jokic, like, there's so many things that could have been done creatively with this guy. Um, So, yeah, it's just he's so versatile, so dominant scoring. So, yeah, what do you guys think about Wilt here? I would I would have taken Wilt Chamberlain Philadelphia when he first came to the league over any player on this planet. If you take a look at his stats, man, like he averaged fifty points in one season, fifty and twenty five. Yes, like that's ridiculous. Yes, like he would average forty four and twenty four, thirty six and twenty two, thirty four and twenty two. Like the numbers are just ridiculous. He was yes, an offensive yeah. defensive threat at his yep. height. Like he was a one man wrecking crew when he was playing. So yes, I'm glad he's up in the number two because I know a lot of a lot of uh, lists and stuff don't even like they put him in the top ten, but he should be at least a top five. Yeah, at least that's because a lot of people. This is what happens is because we never got a chance. People a lot of times the people who actually got to witness this game are not around anymore. That's a true fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in most cases. Or they just don't speak up, or they just they're you know they don't like they don't like Wilt Chamberlain. So what we have is we have a lot of people who because they never got a chance to witness greatness, they can't understand it. So then they always like want to throw him under the list and talk bad about him. Oh, he's not a team player. Oh, he's not this. He's not that. They want to they try to discredit greatness at every turn because they can't understand it. Just like we see now with LeBron. Yeah. LeBron is probably the greatest player we'll probably ever see for 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 at least for a for for a moment until Giannis really comes to himself and we can't some people just can't understand that how could this be possible 
they discredit it every turn. It's the same thing with Will. They can't understand how somebody seven foot could move like that, pass like that, dominate like that. And you have to understand this, a smaller league. So you're going against the best competition you probably could ever go against every single night. Only eight teams. Only eight teams. So you're going against the best competition every night and you're dominating. 50 and what was it, 25? Yes. He was averaging like 50. It was like one season he averaged uh, 50 and 25. Yeah. Fifty and twenty-five, and you're going against the best player every night. You know how many times you probably go against Bill Russell yeah. <laughs> that season. You know what I'm saying? And you're dominating. So because you can't fathom it, you can't put wrap your mind around it. You discredit it. That's what really happens here. And we have to understand that Wilt Chamberlain, if he's if he if he could be the greatest player on on a list, or he could be the second best player on the list. He should be top five no matter what. You cannot discredit his greatness. He scored 100 points in the game. He holds that record. That record has not been touched. It's been close, but nobody's really going to try to touch that record. That's that's his legacy. Yeah, whatever. He didn't have the great... It's not like he's... Goal, he's not like he was on the Boston Celtics like a Bill Russell with... You know, Kuzi and all these other great players who could go, who's in the Hall of Fame. No, I don't even know who was on his team. I just know Wilt Chamberlain existed and he dominated. So give him his credit for that. Yes. He took a Red Bull can, a hairspray bottle, a, a plate, <laughs> a toenail clipper, and took it in like just one game. Yeah. Like, come on now, give him his respect. That's, 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 if you learn any, if you learn anything from this, it's just, Give respect where respect is due. And just because you can't understand it does not mean that you have to discredit it. He averaged uh, 30 points and 22 rebounds his career. Like, I don't see any other player that could do that. Like, averaging 22 rebounds in a game, that's not. Yeah. He averaged that. (laughs) He averaged that game. So, it's good to see him. He's on number two. He's also highly skilled in the post, too. Like, he's not just some athlete. Like, he also has that. Those fade away. So yeah, he has that fade away. He has if you look that he if you look on his game tapes or whatever, he has that fade away one handed uh bank shot where you would just yeah. turn around and just flop it right on you on the bank shot. That's yeah. it. There's nothing you could do about it. No. Or he had the big dipper, that layup that he had. Yeah. Like like he trained like he was like doing stuff that it was just at that time crazy. Like think about averaging fifty points, just averaging. That's an average. This yes. guy could drop like 60, 70 a game. Yeah. Like, it's it's ridiculous. It's truly an unstoppable force. And it's just it's sad that we just look so – we look we look down on him so much yeah. when it really should be the complete opposite. Yes. Like, I'm looking at his, like, career highs. Like, he had 58, 67, 100, 73, 69 – or he had 59, 63, 63 – 51, 65, 58, 68, 66. Like, these are career highs. <laughs> like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah. And he was doing it against, was... like, no no bums, like the, the Bill Russell. Like, Bill Russell, in my mind, I think he's probably one of the greatest defensive players of all time. You're going against him in that era. And yeah. he's still dropping that kind of points, right? So it's yeah, it's not like he's dropping them against chumps. Yes. That's it. Eight teams, and you're playing against the best competition every night. Yep. Every time you step on the court, you're looking at a future Hall of Famer. Yes. Like Lou Alcindor, like you're going against him and Oscar Robertson. Like, it's crazy. Like, they just, I yeah. think people need to just, like, what you're doing here is start going back and looking at film and stuff and then start uh, start uh, respecting a little bit more of what they did. 
Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. 100%. I'm 100% with you guys. Are you ready? Are you ready? Uh, yes. For the number one? It's, for the number one? For Broad Babe. Uh, I mean, Jesus. Great athlete. Great finisher around the rim. Underrated scorer. Great passer. World-class defender. Uh, don't really need to do it in the description of the GOAT. So, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Let's start. Let's start. Yeah. Well, I think he, he's going to – me personally, I, I obviously said that my guy was Larry Bird. But if he scores, uh, if he becomes the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, which I think he's probably going to do, with yeah. everything that he's done in his career, you cannot you cannot say he's not the GOAT if he, if he does that. Up until yeah. now, it's sort of like with the only thing I, I have a, a thing with uh, LeBron is uh, his NBA Finals, right? Like if you're comparing him to Jordan, Jordan did six and six, right? Mm-hmm. LeBron's been in there a lot. He's lost a lot. That's the only thing I can say about it. But other than that, the guys, the guys basically done everything and more. If he, yeah. if he wins the, if he, like I said, he becomes the all-time leading scorer. There's no doubt. You can't even put him into discussion with Jordan after that. Yeah. Literally been in the finals 10 times. Yeah. Only, it wasn't like nine straight times. Yeah. He's only won. He's only won. Uh, he's only oh, Yeah. He lost six. Yeah. He's yeah. been in 10 times. He's, he's lost uh, six times, but he's won four. It's insane. He's got a four and yeah, six record. Four. That's the only thing that might uh, discredit him for being the GOAT right now. But if he wins the all-time, like what I think he's going to do is he's going to be the all-time leading scorer, then they yeah. shut the book. <laughs> yeah. Greatest player of all time, LeBron James. How do we describe this man? Okay. Let's see what we can do. 6'9", 250 of pure muscle coming at you full speed. You have nothing you can do about it. You just have to sit there and take it. If you want to take the charge, you take the charge. He was a gift athletically when he was younger. Goodness. Um. Then, when as he aged, he aged gracefully into a into maybe a better jump shot. Still, one of the greatest drivers of the basketballs. Um, how do we go through this? I mean, if you want to go back to his Cleveland, his Cleveland Cavalier, early Cavaliers days, and when everybody was like, "Ah, oh, he's the chosen one." Let me show you why he's the chosen. One. Um, he had basically me and Jason on the team. Come <laughs> <laughs> <Go> on. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jason on the team. No offense, Darren. Darren as a coach. <laughs> He's too good. Cavaliers. He's actually played overseas. He leads normal, yeah. like normal human beings. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like this is who we had on his team. This is who he was working around and still dominating, winning MVPs. You know, taking scoring titles. Um, and then he moves into Miami. Right, and that's where we see the LeBron James coming out party. He's the he's the antihero of the NBA. Everybody loves to hate LeBron, but let me show you why they hate LeBron. LeBron, they hated LeBron because he was too dominant. He jumped. He came into the scene and dominated, 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 dominated. A decade of basketball was his. Yes, a decade of basketball won three, won two championships, almost three peated. Then they couldn't deny him anymore if he were to three peated. But he ran to the Spurs again. It's fine. Um, came back, won probably the hardest championship. He came back 3-1 in the, for the Cavaliers. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. That was a great series. I'll give you that. Yeah. 
Then he goes to the Lakers, okay? First year with the Lakers, injuries, right? Second year, he gets Anthony Davis, gets the players he wants. They go into the bubble. COVID happens. Go into the bubble. And he wins a championship again. And all he wants is disrespect. The thing is, and I'm going to say this again, especially the same thing with Will, and I've said this already, is that when you can't understand greatness, you discredit it. You cannot discredit this man anymore. It is not about rings. It's about impact and what you can do on the floor. And this man really elevates entire teams. That's his gift. That's his gift. Tell me. Tell me now. And I'm not going to keep ranting about this. But tell me, where is Booby Gibson right now? I'll wait. Probably somewhere in Texas, because that's where he went to college. Where's Wally Zerbiak? I'll wait. How many Hall of Fame teammates has LeBron had? I'll wait. Uh, D-Wade, AD... Bosh. Yeah, probably Kyrie. Okay. You're going to have Russell Westbrook, AD, uh, Kyrie Irving. It's Kevin Love. Kevin Love. I wouldn't add. Maybe? I don't think Kevin Love's going to be in the whole thing. He's fringe. Yeah. For his time in Minnesota. Yeah. That's about it. No, he didn't really have any super teams until he went to Miami. Even when he came back to Cleveland, he didn't really have a super team. He had, like, Kyrie Irving. And at the time, Kevin Love was – those three, they did, did classify him because Kevin Love back then, he was coming from Minnesota. He was pretty good. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. But after after that, it was just like, yeah. Do you know why Boston was assembled? <laughs> yeah, to go at, to go at uh, the Miami Heat and LeBron James. Yes, it was to beat LeBron. Yeah. Think about that. A whole team was built to beat you. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what happens when you... And think about the level of competition because the NBA evolves, right? I'm not saying that the guys back then during Jordan years are like scrubs. No, they're all Hall of Famers. But the way the game evolved, it, no, I mean, like, it's, it's only so much you can overcome when you have nothing on your team. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, think about this for a second. The first time he met Golden State, they should have won the championship. But the reason is Kevin Love had his arm put out of stock by Kevin by Kevin by Kelly Olynyk and Kyrie Irving, and exactly. And then Kyrie went down, and he still almost beat the Warriors by himself. Yes, that's the great with Delavanova. That's the greatest LeBron I've ever seen too. Because usually he's always calculating and being like, "Okay, I need these guys to win a ring. I'm going to make everybody better, and I need to involve everybody." Then it was like, okay, I don't have anybody else to score. I need to score and pass. So, like, you saw the very best version of what LeBron really could do in those finals because he really had to get those shots up. And I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. after like 35-11-11, something ridiculous like that in the NBA finals against the Warriors, the whole defense is getting thrown thrown at him. So, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, man. And then Andre Iguodala won the finals MVP. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, man, he's he's uh, he's gonna be he's up there right now with as far as like the goat like discussion. But he wins that all. He wins the all time leading scorer. I think it's just you know when people are like, oh, well, it could be Jordan or LeBron. I think once he becomes that all time leading scorer, which he's not far away from doing it, then the, the book yeah. is done. Yeah, and I think the next guy who might possibly down the road might be able to take that. It might be Giannis. It all depends on how yeah. he evolves as in his game. But as of right now. Uh, I believe you guys are correct with the uh, with LeBron with the way he's been doing it. So yeah, yeah. 
and then 19 years like in the NBA for real. And it does it I mean like <clears throat> isn't like he like it seemed like if this is his peak, he just went down maybe a step, a half a step, and that's pretty much it. Like it hasn't really been a, such a great yeah. drop off because I mean because he, he's still able to dominate, and we just keep forgetting this that he's in year nineteen right now, and he's still making these younger guys look foolish. Yeah, like eight. I think it's, it's like just, it's eighteen of his nineteen seasons, he's averaging over twenty points a game. Like, I, I don't know what he did in his, or maybe he even did it in his rookie season, but I think since he's been in the league, here, he's. Uh, He's been he's, he's got over twenty points a game here. Yeah, and all and all he ever gets is discredit. He just gets discredited at every turn. I think a lot year, of people, every time. I think a lot of people now are getting more. He's starting to be more. He's not. He's not playing basketball as much, but he's getting more into like the politics of more politics than basketball. And I think that's mm-hmm. why a lot of people don't like him is because he's starting to speak up more than what he used to, and then people don't like that. Yeah, and that's why they're starting to talk bad and discredit them and all this kind of crap. So, but as I'm looking right now, since he's been in the league, he has not in 19 seasons he has not had uh, a season that he scored under 20 points, which is exactly which is tough, yeah, almost impossible. So, um, we'll see what happens with LeBron. I think he'll be playing for another couple more years at least. Yeah. Yeah, and he was the Iron Man in the NBA for the longest time, and then he started getting played. Now he's getting injured. He was—he never got, had an injury in like seventeen seasons, yeah. but you see, sixteen but you seasons. See that with every other player, like Kobe did that. Like all the greats, like Jordan and all these guys, they had injuries. They had all these injuries towards the end of their career. It just happens. It's just how yeah. long is he going to keep going? Yeah, mm-hmm. because you don't want to start being like, oh, well, yeah, I saw LeBron James. Did you see him in his last two seasons? He looked like crap, right? I'd like to see him just be like, you know what? Win another championship, leave, and then that's it. You're done. Yeah, just age gracefully. You know what I mean? Yeah, don't be like one of these guys that come and just start playing and and they're playing like really not what they're capable of, and that's how they're going to be remembered. I'd like just like to see him mm-hmm. just walk out with a championship and say, hey, thank you, guys. Uh, that's a career... Right. Yeah, he'll probably go down as the greatest in that ever played. Yeah. First battle hall of famer for sure. Most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. Do you have anything else, Chris? Nah, man. Greatest player of all time. That's it. Oh, right. That's a wrap on that. Well, this list is finally done. I just want to thank Darren and thank everybody for listening to the uh, list. It was definitely a lot of fun. Um, so you have anything you want to say to him, Chris? Nope, Darren, you got any closing remarks? Oh, I'd just like to say thank you guys again for letting me come on and talk basketball again. This was amazing, and hopefully we can do this again, but this was awesome. I love just sitting on here and, and talking basketball. I think this was a great yeah. list, and uh, yeah, I'm glad we just sat here and talked about it. It was awesome. Yeah, thank you again for, for, for having me on here. Yeah. Yeah, man, anytime. Agree. Agreed. All right, well, I'm Jason Collins. And I'm Chris Muhammad. I'm Darren Appel. We are the basketball addicts. Peace. Ouch.